Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 204 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, hello. How are you? I'm doing good, Joe. How are you on this lovely Thursday evening? Uh, I'm doing my best not to spike the levels. I notice when I do my editing, like, I start out real hot, you know, and then I go to my normal speaking voice. Okay. And then it's like this big spike at the front. I think I did that when we did uh, Pyramounties for the Patreon for Longbox Heroes this past week, and then Longbox Heroes this week. So I'm like a little bit further away from the mic to do the intro. I'm trying to make a concerted effort not to yell the intro, you know? Yeah, there's a couple times, especially recently on Longbox Heroes, where the uh, intro music, the opening theme, is yeah. playing loud and long over the opening dialogue. But I didn't want to message you because I knew you wouldn't be able to sleep until you fixed it. <laughs> so I'll uh, just tell you now. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing like those files, like the the edit of those are long gone. Yeah. Uh, shit. All right. Well, it's <laughs> no, it's just like the, it's just enough to to tweak you. I mean, I'm sure nobody cares other than me, but yeah. maybe pay attention to it on your next one. See what it looks like. Yeah. It, it's, and you said it's been a couple like that. I want to say like this most recent episode and then maybe two weeks ago prior to that, like, you know, with like one good in the middle, something like that, where it's just uh, instead of it fading out, it's loud for a while. And I think it just stops. Hmm. gonna make me listen now <laughs> this rights for me i don't like doing that over a todd because todd's so uh soft voiced you know yeah but you get what i'm getting at right yeah it's... son of a bitch <laughs> all right well enough about my uh uh fuck ups um <laughs> hey adam i saw you tweeting uh earlier today Okay. And you had said that currently in the industry, there are nine current Adam Van specials. <laughs> well, you know what? Can I, am I going to get canceled for, for even talking about this or like, do I get any assurances? Well, so, uh, again, listen, <laughs> nobody gets canceled. You know what? First of all, you know, there is no such thing as cancel culture just to let you know. Oh, okay. Um, well, if I say anything wrong, I'll just do like a notes app screenshot. Yeah, get it ready. Okay. Um, but no, again, uh, appreciating the form and beauty of another, uh, <laughs> another, fe- you know, another female. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If you start getting into, you Specifics. know, I'd like to, like, you know, I'd like to hold her down and pour honey over her, please <laughs> eat her or something, you know, then, okay, we might, uh, I'll edit that out, you know? Yeah, fair enough. You know if, what, I... I was going to say, since I sent that tweet, I realized that I, I neglected somebody. So it isn't even 10. Oh, good. Um, but I will say that two of them are kind of not active, but they're recently active. See, and again, you're going to say kind of not active and recently active, and you're throwing all these weird caveats in there. All right. I was going to see if I could guess them. Yeah, go for it. I'd actually, that was my, uh, if you were going to bring this up, I was going to have you uh, do that. So I'll put a little check marks next to them. But yeah. Uh, the top 10 active-ish Adam Van specials, as guessed by Joe. No particular order, right? Yeah, I, no don't e- I don't even have them in an order here. Right. I think the gimme, your free space on this, is Alexa Bliss. That is correct. Um, recently from Monday Night Raw, Trish Stratus. Nope, I would. Ooh. I mean, again, if we're talking all time, gun to my head, I got to make like a top 20, uh, sure. 
No, um, you're saying and, you're saying recent, you know? Yeah, I'm mean, like act like they they've had to have wrestled a match within the last year to be on this list. It is the current top ten? Current top ten. Okay. Uh, I know Sky Blue's on the list. That is correct. Okay. Uh, I know Jamie Hayter's on the list. That is also correct. That's who uh, I forgot when I was making the list. I was like, oh, how dare I? <laughs> uh, I know Tony Storm is on the list. Absolutely. Okay. I shared that Instagram post with you. <laughs> um, let me think. Cora Jade is on the list. Yep. And uh, extra points for evil Cora Jade. You know, oh, that... <laughs> boy. That's not two separate entries. No, that's no, just... no. That's just, just uh, if there were rankings, uh, it would be moved up the rankings. Okay. So that's five I got so far? That is correct. Five out of ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Paige? No, hasn't wrestled a match in the last year. Okay. I think I'm stymied. I, I think getting five out of your ten, out of the depravity of your mind, I think it's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, first of all, you're missing, like, a real obvious one. One would say she's the face of this list, Joe. Oh, the face? Uh, uh, it's not Tay Conti anymore. It's Ty Mello. That is correct. Yeah, so see, and again, she's she's kind of like out of sight, out of mind these days. You know, <laughs> she was on television well, last week on Dynamite, I guess. But mm-hmm. uh, all right, so you just want the other ones? Yeah, I'm not gonna fumble gotcha. f around trying to figure out who they are. Uh, again, in no particular order, uh, Anna JAS. Okay, yes, sure. Um, of Toxic Attraction f- or fame, Gigi Dolan. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's maybe the funniest one. Go ahead. And these are the two that aren't technically active wrestlers. Uh, I would say Brandy Lauren. Okay. Uh, and Billy Kay. Ah, okay, gotcha. Billy Kay is kind of like the last two are just kind of like OnlyFans stars now. They're not <laughs> wrestling stars, but uh, you know, Billy Kay, Jessica McKay is off doing like trying to go into Hollywood or some shit. But uh, mm-hmm. well, good uh, luck to them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, that's just uh, in no particular order. Some of my favorite uh, favorite wrestlers that happen to uh, not be men. Female sports entertainers, right? Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I, don't know. I know. I know uh, Jonas uh, of Pod Van Dam. He don't listen to this, but uh, you know, my condolences to him and his family this oh, week. Absolutely. Uh, but I know he's a big Anna J uh, guy. I when I open up my Eddie Kingston uh, AEW figure, or was it the Eddie, or was it somebody else that had the cards in it? Uh, I mean, Eddie does have cards. Some of them, some of them don't. Some of them do. Did the OC have cards? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, so I must have got an Eddie that had a pack of cards in it because those are the only AEW figures that I have. Oh no, the Brody, the Brody, that's what it was. Yeah, Brody definitely has cards. Okay, so when I got the Brody, I think one of the cards that was in there was I got like a Frankie Kazarian and Anna J and somebody else, and I'm like, oh, I'll send that Anna J to uh, Jonas or give it to him. <laughs> I see him, you know. Yeah, absolutely. All right, nobody's canceled. No, you're fine. <laughs> Yeah, and feel free to call in with your favorites. That's uh, right. Male or female, you know? That's right. All right. So let's get into the show uh, proper here. Sure. And now, At Odds with Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. All right. This day in wrestling history, we're going to go backwards. Um, so uh, this day, wrestling history, four years ago, 
was AIW Wrestle Rager 3 at Now That's Class. Uh, it was an outdoor show. Uh, pretty crazy show, if I do say so myself. I was not there. Uh, some of the highlights of the show was a young Joshua Bishop versus PB Smooth versus Zach Thomas versus Derek uh, back when he was just a director. Uh, Frankie Flynn and Magnum CK, we miss you, Chris, uh, as the tag team champions taking on the Jollyville Fuckets. Swoggle uh, taking on Dr. Dan. Uh, if you've ever seen the uh, famous thing of Swoggle outside chugging a thing of Mad Dog 2020, it's from this match. <laughs> okay. Uh, PCO versus Sabu versus Matt Justice, uh, Wes fuck. Barkley versus Eddie Kingston. And this was like Wes's first like big, big match in AIW and he's come quite a way. And then the uh, main event, 10 person tag, fans bring the weapons, uh, PME, uh, Weird World and John Thorne against Jock Sampson, Mance Warner, Parker Pierce, Twan Tucker and the Duke. Uh, it's a crazy show. It's available on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. And uh, this weekend, this Saturday, actually, is uh, WrestleRager 6. Okay. And skip the co- uh, COVID year, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Doing yeah. the math here. All right. Yeah, your gazintas. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, but that was a fun show, for sure. Yeah, I see uh, Britt Baker was on the card against somebody. Right. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, the Alley Cat, sure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah no, it looks like a good card. I, right. I'm sure that PCO Sabu Justice match was probably fucking bananas. Yep, definitely. I think there was a dive off of the U-Haul for sure. <laughs> nice. I'm a little, you know what, I'm, I, I don't want to, I don't want to like insult anybody, but a little upset that this last uh, AIW show we went to, uh, nobody dove off of anything or hit anybody with a U-Haul, you know? Yeah, I think, uh, and again, I, I can only <laughs> speculate as to why that was, but there was probably a reason that the U-Haul was parked very far away this time, you know? <laughs> with the keys hidden. <laughs> yeah. All right, fair um, So also on this day in wrestling history, uh, 2002, 20 years ago, we're all very old. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> World Wrestling Entertainment presented from the Nassau Coliseum SummerSlam. Um, this was the Brock Lesnar versus The Rock for the Undisputed Title show. Okay. Uh, this was them, like, strapping The Rocket to Brock. He debuts the, the Raw after Mania, and that SummerSlam, he wins the belt, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, they weren't fucking around. You know, he killed everyone on his way here. He won King of the Ring. He beats The Rock, you know, like kind of The Rock had like a height of powers from 1999 to today. So <laughs> uh, anytime you beat The Rock during that time frame, it's pretty, pretty good. Uh, but there's two other matches on this show that I think are very remembered. Uh, one is the opener, which is Kurt Angle versus Rey Mysterio. That some people say is the greatest pay-per-view opening match of all time. And... You know, that's something that we could do and somebody could look into and probably somebody has already done. But I would say it's up there. It's a crazy match. It's so good. Yeah. And, and there's actually like three cart. I'm sure you'll mention in a second, but there are three matches on this show that I remember fondly. And yeah. that one is like the best wrestling match. And to this point, like a lot of people will say, like you said, that. You know, go back and watch this is what I like study, you know, like a technical wrestler versus a high flyer. Um, I'm sure it's a Meltzer, like, three-and-a-half-star match, <laughs> you know, but, no, yeah, fucking awesome. Uh, also on this is uh, Triple H 
against the returning from retirement one time only in an <laughs> unsanctioned street fight against Shawn Michaels. Yeah, I've said it on this show before. As like a huge Shawn Michaels mark, obviously, and you can make all your jokes he wants. Um, him coming back from being out for what, like four years, something like that, five years? Uh, a little little over four years. Yeah, yeah. you know, like he, he has the, the run late 98, early 99, where he's the commissioner, but he's not wrestling. They were going to bring him back pre the invasion, but apparently he showed up at TV in no condition to perform. And this time he's got his shit together, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I, again, I remember watching this and, you know, being more of a mark than I am now, just kind of like watching between my fingers every time something bad would happen, like where he'd take like a backbreaker or something like that. And he'd obviously be selling his injured back. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, this is basically me watching that match must be what like modern marquee wrestling fans felt like watching CM Punk wrestle last night, you know, <laughs> like, Oh, he's hurt. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh, fond memories for that. And obviously it led to him coming back full time, which I was huge into at the time. Yeah. So, you know, whatever your opinion of Shawn Michaels is like, this is like, uh, you know, he gets to have a great second run out of this, you know? Yeah, I mean, matches with Hogan and Jericho and, you know, he wins the title like at Elimination Chamber. Uh, This, you know, we'll come to it in November, but it's Survivor Series. He wins the title. Um, Yeah, it's just like it's crazy that he gets to have this second run and, you know, whatever your opinion is. And I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, Brett should have got his second run. But no, this I, I would argue to say that maybe up until when they do the PG uh, version of DX, mm-hmm. uh, like this 2002 to 2006 run of Sean is probably better than his like previous singles run. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and, you know, what again, you bring up Bret Hart, you know, and obviously uh, I'm more of a Sean fan, but unlike Bret Hart fans, I'm willing to see both sides. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we can just agree that uh, we were robbed of a lot of matches. A lot of great matches from both of them, you know, yep. due to this time and careers ended too short. Exactly. And what's the other match? You said there's another match on here that you. Uh... No, I mean, uh, Lesnar, Rock, okay. Michael, Michael's Triple H and Angle Mysterio. That you were carrying a ta- uh, candle for Undertaker versus Test, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, that's not it. Uh, no, it was definitely, it was Christian and, and uh, Lance Storm versus Booker T and Goldust. Well, th- top, this top was, five. <laughs> this was during the Un-Americans era. Oh, even better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think Regal was in it, and then Jericho would join shortly after, and then they would shortly disband it shortly thereafter that. I wonder how long until Triple H does the We're Afraid of Foreigners gimmick. For uh, Not obviously for himself, but for somebody that's on Raw or SmackDown. You know, like it's kind <sighs> of Vince staple, you know, because I think that was a Vince staple of anything, yeah. But, I mean, uh, what's old is new again. You know, when was, like, we had uh, the, the one that had, like, Wade Barrett and Cesaro or, and, like... The United of, Nations. Yeah. So, I mean, we're due for another one as long as Triple H ain't against it. Mm, I, listen, I I could see Brucey pitching it, but who knows how long Brucey's days are numbered, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Sweet Brucey. Yeah. Well, he's back. He's back this weekend. Uh, uh, this Friday for us pours. We get our first uh, episode, uh, a new episode of Something to Wrestle With in Two and a Half Months. Oh, I won't listen, but go on. That's <laughs> covering uh, Breath the Hitman Heart 1994 to 1995. I'm excited. 
<laughs> is uh is double j coming back to podcasting or did he oh, ever leave <laughs> no double first of all double j never left podcasting okay and Shows how much i listen do yourself a favor after you touch the pan go listen to like the first 15 minutes of this week's my world uh it's better if you could watch the youtube version if you have access to it i think they still put it i think they they might have clipped it out um, cause Conrad says a lot of things and Jeff don't say no to a lot of those things. Uh, regarding his recent exit. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That double J was there maybe just doing a little reconnaissance work. Maybe oh. just getting, uh, you know, figuring out how live events work in 2022, taking some notes, making some connections at some of the venues. We might be getting a, a global force two point glow going on here. <laughs> Uh, well, one can only hope. And uh, the boar got one of his tweets read on the show. Oh, well, look at that. Yeah, yeah, it gets named, and he reads it, and Double J cracks up over it, rightfully so. It's about time Double J gets that boar, like, rub, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so the other thing that we have that we always discuss on these episodes, you know, day and date, you know, 25 years ago, is uh, the 1997 Raw versus uh, Nitro head-to-heads. But this week and next week, Raw is preempted uh, by the U.S. Open. So it's Nitro running unopposed, okay? At least it wasn't the Westminster Dog Show. No, the Westminster Dog Show is like uh, like February. I think it's like later in the year. It's like November-ish, like November-December. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so, uh, you know, it's your typical Nitro. There's a bunch of matches. Things happen. They're building an angle where they're teasing that DDP is going to join the NWO because him and Lex had some miscommunication in a tag match on, like, the Clash of Champions or some shit. Uh, Four weeks on now, J.J. Dillon has finally figured out that Sting wants a match with Hulk Hogan, and he's going to make it happen. Uh, But again, I, I point out to you that this week and next week, Nitro is unopposed. And we do get one of two of some of the most classic moments in wrestling history. And you need the context. So I'm going to play the promo now. And other than be anything than the enforcer in my best friend's eyes, I'd rather walk away. And for all you people out there that have ever bought a ticket to see Arn Anderson wrestle. Flair's about to cry. <laughs> Oh, come on. What the hell? And other love me? Or you hated me? You knew that when that bell rang, you got all I had that night. Whether I won, whether I lost, I gave you everything I had. And you knew that. And when you did this to me, that was your acknowledgement. Well, the fact is, I got nothing left to give. And I want you to remember me as I was, not as I am. Arn Anderson's younger than AJ Styles. Am, <laughs> my last act, formerly as a horseman, I got one last challenge. And that's to you, Kurt Henning. Pay no attention to Benoit. Don't misunderstand <laughs> me. It's not for a fight. You don't say nothing. <laughs> you got something special. I've seen you in this ring. Your skills, your maturity, your commitment to excellence makes you something special. And what my challenge is to you, Kurt, is stand beside my best friend, Ric Flair, and lead these two men 
back to the glory and the prominence that the four horsemen once had. And I'm going to tell you what your prize is. It's not a spot with the horsemen because this is worth a lot more than that to me. I'm going to give you the only thing I got left. Not a spot, not a spot. I'll give you my spot. Wow. Kurt Hennig. You know, I know every wrestler that's ever been around or involved in this business we call wrestling who would pass up the honor to not only be a horseman, but to come out and take Arn Anderson's spot as the enforcer of the Four Horsemen. I have only one thing to say. It would be a privilege. Like a week. <laughs> I was going to say, so next week, Nitro is unopposed. And there might be a rebuttal promo. <laughs> my dog spot, my liver spot. <laughs> I might have worked. I might have worked that in on a uh, long box heroes this week. Todd don't know what I'm doing, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, that's crazy. That Arn, that was 25 years ago. Arn retires, and as you mentioned, he's younger there than AJ Styles is today. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like I was, I don't want to say I was ever a four horseman mark because obviously I never saw any of their prominent years, you know, yeah. the WA or anything like that. So everything I saw of the four horsemen was the watered down, like Paul Roma. And then later on when you had like Dean Malenko or Brian Pillman in there for a little bit. But like when Kurt Hedig took that spot, because I, I was a Hedig mark, I thought that this was awesome because Rather than go to the NWO, which, spoiler, he might end up doing, if if you're in the Horsemen, at least you're just one of four guys. You're not one of 37 guys. You know? Right. But, oh, well, it didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, but like I said, Arn was one of those guys. He was never, like, my tippy-top favorite guy. But there was just something about him that, like, maybe, like, 88, 89, I, like, you know, I start to notice him, like, this guy's, like, there's something different about him. Like, he looks like just a guy. Yeah. But he's always like in there with the top guys. And he's always having these really good matches with like the really tippy top guys. And then not uh, 89, he goes to WWF and you know, you get to see, you don't get to really see what he could do there. And then he comes back to WCW at the end of 90 and he's like immediately put into a top spot. And then, you know, 94, they even did a gimmick where it was in ECW, it was Arn and Terry Funk against Bobby Eaton and Sabu, you know, oh, as yeah. both guys were in WCW at the time. And, like, that was crazy. And that was, like, really when I started to turn the corner. I'm like, okay, uh, if he's an ECW, I'm an Arn Anderson guy, even though it was, like, <laughs> just two appearances. Um, and then, like, three years later, he's done, you know. Um, but he's one of those guys that definitely, like, you can appreciate him more today. You watch... Like, I implore you, no matter who you are, what kind of wrestler you are, um, if you're listening to this, go watch an Arn Anderson match and just pick one at random. And you're going to see something. Like, you're not going to, like, steal a move or you're not going to do a something. But just even, like, the way he sells or the way that he reacts to a move or the way that he interacts with the other wrestler, his tag team partner, the fans. All these little things that, like, you never noticed maybe when you were watching as a kid, but, like, with a little bit smarter of an eye, you'll see it today. And I know this is like passe to say, but you know, Arn Anderson stuff holds up. Mm. Yeah. You I know? mean, sh shit kicking styles don't go out of style. Right. Right. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, my introduction to Arn Anderson was probably Dangerous Alliance, so I missed a lot of stuff before. But even that, still, you know? that was really cool yeah. shit too, you know? Absolutely, I, I fucking love stables of top guys, you know? Yeah. But uh, and going back to the ECW stuff, I, I feel like as an ECW fan, you might agree with me on this. Anytime somebody from WCW or WWF came in and didn't do it as like, oh, fuck this place, but came in and like took it seriously and had matches. They were instantly over with the ECW crowd. Yeah. Cool. Like they, you know, August of 94, they do the thing where and again, I don't know, like the timing doesn't work out. It doesn't line up on one of our dates when Matt Bourne comes in as doink and they have him in the NWA tournament. And 911 beats him, and then he ends up going from being doink to being born again as like the weird half face painted Matt Bourne. And he puts the clown wig and makeup on people after he beats them, and he's kind of sort of aligned with Shane Douglas. And he only lasts like maybe two or three months at most in ECW, but that was one of those things where like. You you hear the things and you read the stuff in the after mags or whatever it is that this guy was somebody else beforehand. And they would even tease it on WF TV a little bit. But to see him come into ECW and have this different presentation while Doink is still on WF TV as like a goofball character. Mm-hmm. And here's the guy who was like that heel Doink character that is just like really so different and so unique and so everything else. And now here he is with his like greasy, grimy ECW, like mid 94 before it really takes off. <laughs> yeah. Cool. <laughs> I could tell, listen, I could talk old wrestling all day, but Hey, let's talk <laughs> about like the last week of wrestling. Uh, what's, what's, what's caught your fancy that you'd like to talk about Adam. Okay. I, I think that uh, a lot of these are just going to be top headlines uh, and we might cross over on some of these, but I'm going to start by talking about, just last night, AEW Dynamite, what we assumed was going to be the main event, what we assumed was going to be, you know, uh, close to an hour-long five-star match, but uh, it wasn't. It was um, John Moxley squishing CM Punk, and uh, obviously coming into this commentary did a decent job of kind of asking the question, you know, is CM Punk, CM Punk back too soon? You know, like, did he rush back from injury? And I feel like that seed wasn't isn't being mentioned a lot in the people bitching about this online you know that the fact that they did kind of set up the fact that maybe maybe cm punk isn't ready to face a a height of powers john moxley but uh uh phil hurts his foot and i use the word hurt in air quotes doing like a spinning kick to moxley uh mox smells blood in the water and does uh, two death rider uh ddts so Obviously, Mox retains slash wins the undisputed unified AEW title. Um, we This isn't the main event. It's like kind of towards the middle of the show, which I have no problem with. Um, I don't know like any of the shit that supposedly may or may not or being, you know, I don't know if I'm being worked, brother, you know, as far as CM Punk in the back, any of the shit like the drama is he contract coming to an end i don't know any of that stuff but i like the fact that the storyline is there that you know not only did cm punk potentially come back too soon or he's just not that you know he doesn't have the ability to hang uh anymore or right now with john moxley like i liked a lot of the storylines that could come out of that uh, and I liked the match. It was a short match, but it made John Moxley look like a killer. And uh, I think that 
for that reason alone, it was it was good. So a lot of people shitting on this online, even AEW fans being like, how could you bury CM Punk like that? I, I don't care. I, I was surprised uh, and I enjoyed it. Uh, okay, I'm with you. And during the whole match, the whole lead up to it, I say match, match, I'm texting with DJ uh, as we're both watching the show separately. And I like not knowing. I like wrestling to be unpredictable. In a day and age where from the youngest five-year-old to the smarkiest mark of my age and older (laughs) knows everything and has seen it all, I like to be tricked. I like to be fooled. And people can nitpick the fact that AEW is currently doing two gimmicks, uh, the punk thing and the uh, Kenny Omega thing, where are they coming back too soon from injury? And I don't agree. Like, they are the same, but they're so subtly different enough that Kenny's been out for, like, what, like eight months or something? Like, almost the entire first half of this year. I think his last match was in November. Yeah. Um, and then Punk comes back from the broken foot, and it was just one of these things where, like, he has the broken foot, he's going to be out for a long time. He comes back uh, two weeks ago on TV. Oh, he's back. Apparently he's healed and okay. Then this thing, it wasn't until he, like, n- at no point until he does that kick and he goes down, was there ever any speculation that, like, oh, maybe he's back too soon. It was just like, he's back. The injury is fine. He worked everyone at San Diego. He walked around the whole time with a boot and lied to people. Um, And even, like, watching the match, like, Punk goes down, and then Moxley gives him the first Death Rider. And I'm like, Moxley's taking too much time to go for the cover. I go, I think Punk's faking it, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm texting that to DJ, and then he gives him the thing again. And then he beats him clean, and I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, I love being surprised. I love not knowing what's going to happen when it comes to professional wrestling. And and then afterwards, I'm like, okay, well, I guess this writes Punk out of the storyline. So I'm like, do they move Hangman into the spot of the pay-per-view? What are they doing? And then it's come out today that it's still going to be Punk and Moxley at the pay-per-view. So that's all the kayfabe out of the way. Um, My thought in regards to this is... They, and whoever that they is, whether it be the wrestlers themselves, the agents, the coaches, whatever verbiage they want to use, or Tony Khan, if we've got Punk back and we can go into the pay-per-view and just remove the word interim from our main event, whatever the connotation of interim is, negative, positive, whatever, the a decision was made before the pay-per-view to remove the word interim from the main event branding of All Out. And I think that's all this was. It was just so that there's a clear definitive thing. And yeah, we could sit here and say, oh, they're unifying the titles. But so many people who aren't UFC people, listen, I'm not a UFC person and I'm all for change in professional wrestling. But I think there's a lot of people that still have this weird negative connotation when they hear the word interim. Mm -hmm. And I just think they wanted that out of there for whatever reason for the pay-per-view. They had an opportunity to do so. They did it. And now I wouldn't be surprised. And again, I going to the pay-per-view now, who knows what's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Like, is Moxley just going to crush him again? Uh, is this all some sort of like weird part of Punk's master plan? Is this going to be like a Punk heel turn in Chicago? Is this going to be like the debut of someone else, right? 
I love the mystery. I love the question. I love there's nothing that makes me more happy than not knowing. Yeah. Um, like I do feel like and you said that it was not mentioned on commentary. I feel like and I could just be making this up, but I'm relatively sure because I wrote it down that there was questions like, is CM Punk 100 percent healthy? Like at the beginning of the match. You know, so uh, you had said that there was no allusion to that. Uh, so I could be wrong, but I feel like they did kind of hint at, uh, you know, him being back very soon after the injury. But right. But it, so um, there might have been a commentary uh, time where they mentioned it. Sure. But it's not as like the main focus. Yeah, it's not like Kenny. Like where Kenny it's just, right. Yeah, it's hitting you over the head. Um But like and again, I am uh, a huge UFC guy, maybe not so much recently, but, you know, the, the golden years of UFC, you know, like uh, pre-ESPN UFC. But so the interim thing doesn't bother me. So for, as my perspective, like I feel like the luster of an interim champ versus the, you know, defending champ, I feel like that has more appeal. But I can get how the casuals or non-MMA fans could be confused by that. So I hear you there. Um, but yeah, as far as like what could happen at the pay-per-view, uh, I hope at the very least, it's a much longer match. Otherwise, you're going to have a lot of anti-AEW people having ammo, being like, this is two matches in a row, you know, that we were robbed of a good match. Um, but as far as surprises, you're in Chicago, which is one of the most loyal AEW places. Like, this could be uh, a spot to bring in MJF, unless they want to wait till they go to New York. Uh, a lot of possibilities there, but I could see it. Right. So, uh, yeah, so it's going to be, I, I just, you know, we're less than two weeks away from the pay-per-view. I'm excited to see what's going to happen next. And I think this match added a lot more intrigue and mystery to that match, you know? Yeah. And like I said, I like the fact that Moxley comes out of this looking like a million bucks. Yep. And he's a guy who busted his ass while Punk was hurt. And again, people get hurt. It happens. Um, and even before he became the interim champion, like 2022 was a killer year for Moxley. And, you know, in the non kayfabe sense, if this is his reward for doing so, that he gets to be the first ever official two time AEW champion. That's cool, too. Yeah. Moxley's awesome. Punk is really good in all this. Um, you know, like I said, it just I'm excited. I'm excited for the mystery. Yeah. Plus, you got to keep Moxley happy, you know, with the AEW uh, world title, because, you know, obviously he's going to lose the GCW title to Broski one of these days. So you got to keep Moxley happy. Yeah, you think so? <laughs> well, maybe there'll be a transitional champ in there somewhere. <laughs> so nobody's feelings are hurt. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, Joe, I- I'm, I'm going to assume that no- one way or another you were going to talk about that, right? Yeah, that was in my list of things, too. Um, I do have another discussion of another uh, interim situation that came out on uh, Dynamite this week. And uh, listen, I got my uh, I got my ear to the ground. I got my dirt sheet people out there that stooge things off to me. And about an hour before uh, Dynamite begins, I get a message that just says uh, Thunder Rosa's hurt in quotes, and she's <laughs> relinquishing the title on TV tonight. And during the opening match, when uh, Tony Schiavone says he has some sort of news about uh, an AEW title, I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, you know, and uh, this person typically doesn't and hasn't led me astray, you know. Um, So she's hurt, and again, she's hurt, and they're now doing a four-way match uh, at the pay-per-view where it's Britt, it's Jamie Hayter, uh, it's uh, Tony Storm, 
and it's Hikaru Shida in there. Now, I'm a little shocked that it's not Ember Moon, but I think they're positioning Ember Moon against um, Jade Cargill for the TNT title, but I get it. Um, and, you know, then uh, Thunder Rosa did her best losing her smile promo on <laughs> AEW. And then, uh, as we record this, had someone tweet out uh, that she's taking a break from social media and someone else is going to be running her social media account for the time being. Now, I like Thunder Rosa. Uh, I think she's, uh, a, you know, she's got a great look. She's got a great presence. But she's had a lot of, and again, I don't want to say positive or negative, but she's got a lot of something that follows her around. And, you know, I think early on in her AEW run, a lot of it was attributed to uh, Lise, uh, who was, like, claiming that Thunder Rosa stole her gimmick. And all this other crazy shit. And these two would be constantly sniping each other on social media. And then again, of course, we've had the both online and on TV burial of Thunder Rosa by Britt Baker. Um, you know, the sandbag stuff and all that other stuff. Um, I don't know if Thunder Rosa is really hurt or not. Um, but I think getting her away from the, you know, we talked about like Britt needs to go away and learn a new hold. I think Thunder Rosa needs to get away from the title picture, maybe get off TV for a couple months, and then hopefully come back refreshed. Um, again, I get a lot of people's critiques of her. I'm a fan. I know a lot of people that had personal interactions with her and then said that she's a really good person. But I've said this also before, but there's a lot of people in wrestling that you were a fan of because you've call- you've got a chance to watch their matches. But there's a lot of people that you are fans of that I could tell you from at least first-hand experience, definitely second-hand experience, that you would have a different opinion of them if you had to call a match with them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this entire title run has been snake bitten. You know, like, if it wasn't one thing as far as, like, bad promos, it was another thing, like, the, you know, just falling flat and not having the greatest matches, and then, like you said, having it being pointed out on national television. You know, like, if you, when she had, like, that first promo as the champ, and just fell on her face and everybody was like wow that was a bad promo the next week they sent her out and had another promo and maybe it was 10 percent better but whatever happened to accentuating the positives and hiding the negatives you know i feel like they did a terrible job in aew of helping her out you know and maybe putting her in there with people that could i don't want to say carrier because there's not a ton of veterans in aew's women's division but like maybe if she's not good at something don't make her keep doing it you know or at least on national television yeah uh, so like and i've i agree with you i like thunder rosa i think you know a lot of the reasons why i do like her maybe came out of the pandemic era which a lot of those matches were maybe edited for uh contents um but you know i i hope whatever's missing she figures out because i think she's a very marketable person and like you said everybody who's you know, met her in AIW, seemed, you know, loved her. And uh, so I don't want to see her just not come back, but uh, they can't bring her back and just treat her like she has been, where you have Britt Baker being like, oh, you weren't really hurt. And, you know, your title run was a joke and nobody, you know, you fell flat and all that stuff. Like, stop pointing that shit out, you know, because we have to try to mask it or otherwise you're going to have like another championship run because she's going to come back as the real champion, you know, as we crown an interim champ. Uh, so you can't have her come back and then it's like, okay, we have this interim champ versus the real champ that nobody gives a shit about, you know, stop burying the talent. Yes. 
Um, plus, I, I saw this on Twitter, and I forget who tweeted it out, but uh, it is kind of funny to see the champion crying that they have to, uh, uh, you know, rescind, not rescind, but, uh, you know, they're no longer going to be able to compete, but don't worry, I'm still the champion. So when I come back, I'll be champion, but I'm still going to cry as if I'm handing over the title. You know, yeah. the whole AEW makes it seem weird, you know, because you're not really losing anything. Yeah. You're just actually you're extending your title reign because everybody likes to say, like, I've been the champion for 473 days. Like, you're just patting that stat now that you're out injured, quote unquote. Right. But All right. Anyways. All right. My other thing. And I don't have a lot of details on this, but uh, I am in the minority on this. But uh, I can just say I'm not blocked on Twitter by this guy. So I'm happy <laughs> to see Johnny Gargano return. Uh Finally, uh, an infinity gem on the, the mid mitten that actually moves the needle. Um, a lot of people online that I follow don't give a shit about Johnny Gargano. A lot of them like to keep on making the same old lame look at my hands. They're so dangerous jokes. Uh, but I like Johnny Gargano. I'm a mark for his NXT takeover main events. And uh, I think with... Uh, with uh, Paul running the show, he's not going to be buried as much as he would have been if he had came up like a year ago. So, Austin Theory, maybe not the best opponent, but I get it. You have to play off of the way, uh, you know, in that whole angle. But uh, I'm happy to see Johnny Gargano on national television. And, I, uh, listen, I, I rag on him because he has to be blocked, so I have to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'm a fan of Johnny. I like the NXT TakeOver main events uh, until I didn't. Until there was the the, the freaking warehouse one, you know? right? The warehouse one, I think, is what killed Johnny for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, you know, it was early in the pandemic. Uh, everyone was still trying to get their feet underneath them regarding how that sort of stuff works. Um, but they brought Johnny out on Raw, like technically your flagship show, and they presented him as a star, and he yep. got over as a star. You know, and regardless of what you or I opinions of Austin Theory is, WWE has spent the last like six or seven months, maybe more, building Austin Theory up as a star. So you have two stars in the ring at a top of the hour segment. Crowd super into it. It was a super active, uh, super good crowd. And uh, I'm excited to see what Johnny Gargano can and will do. Under a non-Vince McMahon main roster. Yeah. Because if Vince was running the place, the, the short jokes and the short AB shorty J. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I say good for Johnny. Um, I think it was a foregone conclusion. Uh, I know last week when we were making our predictions of who was going to be the next person to come back, I don't even think I bothered to include Gargano because I'd been predicting that he was coming back every week since SummerSlam. Yeah. Um. But that was one of those things where I wasn't like I, I did like two weeks in a row and I'm like, all right, if he's not back, he is coming back. I'm just not going to say like every week he's coming back because then it's just like, oh, I was right, you know. Yeah. But uh, I definitely think because um, he didn't sign anywhere. Yes, he he's done absolutely no indie shots. He's done signings and appearances and major bendies and shit like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but nothing like physical since he got let go. Well, he not let go, just decided not to renew his contract. But he's back. Good for him. I'm happy for him. Um, again, he'll yeah. never unblock me. On Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody got a hashtag going, so we'll see how that yeah. works. <laughs> like I said, if, if he and I ever cross paths, I absolutely will bully him to do so. 
Yeah, I, and like you said, uh, you know, obviously he didn't resign, and who can blame him? Like, why would you want to stick around in the NXT landscape as it was looking towards yeah. them, you know? Uh, and obviously you can weigh your options, see if AEW wants to come knocking, which apparently, you know, from what I heard, they didn't really come knocking. But, nope. you know, he had his kid, and good for him, got to stay home and sell some bendies and get his meet and greet at Pandora's box lined up. So, you know, right. good for him. I think there was um, a play in AEW to get him and Candice together, mm. but I don't know if Candice was available at the time, what her contractual status was, or whatever it was, and then just, you know, everything that happened in WWE just lined up. Then I'm sure, like, they wanted Johnny and Candice, as opposed to Johnny and Candice, if that makes any sense, like AEW did. Yeah, they they like you're they're not a duo act, but we want them both on the roster type. Right, thing. because like Raw could bring Candice in at some later point. Uh, doesn't need to be there right at the front start of this for Johnny, but you know yeah. it is. They could bring in Candice LeRae to uh, feud with their latest hot talent acquisition of Brandy Rhodes. <laughs> um, I choose to ignore any of that online. <laughs> Uh, I haven't. I think that this is people gaslighting me. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen a picture or video of her at the performance center, yeah. so I don't think it's real. <laughs> well, they don't want to film her showing all the the secrets of how to, you know, mm. put on a good match, a five star match, if you will. I will say this though: um, Johnny's promo did feel very much like the Cody promo. Yeah. Well, he didn't do any fake tears talking about no. his dad. Right, no, that's that's the Cody go-to. <laughs> yeah, I, I could definitely see us getting Cody and Johnny as like some program somewhere down the road. I could see that. I mean, yeah. both faces right now, but we'll see. Right. All right. What do you else you got, Joe? I got other stuff. So, um, you know, it came out today, of course, that uh, there was an incident that happened at AEW TV. Uh, back in Minneapolis, whatever Quake on the Lake was. Um, maybe something happened between Eddie Kingston and Sammy Guevara. Uh, maybe Sammy Guevara called Eddie something in a promo on a taped show that ended up getting edited off TV anyway. Because when Sammy came backstage, Eddie tried to kill him. <laughs> um, and this caused Eddie to get suspended and was off TV for a couple weeks. And uh, they haven't shown the graphic for it on TV in like three weeks about the match of him and Sammy at the pay-per-view. Um, but there was a lot of speculation. There was a lot of whatever going around. Um, and uh, like it came out Wednesday unofficially. Then it came out Thursday officially. And both Eddie and Sammy issued statements regarding all of this. And, you know, regardless of what this is going to be, you know, Eddie could have had a gun in his hand standing over Sammy Guevara's corpse. And I'd be like, Sammy must have done something. You know, <laughs> that's just the way I am. Um, and, you know, in his uh, remark uh, or in his statement, Eddie said, you know, the truth. I wouldn't lie. I was wrong for being unprofessional. That is the blind fact. Uh, Sammy did what he did, and the public can judge that, but I know for a fact I was wrong. And again, that's kind of very big of anyone in professional wrestling. 
to like kind of take onus and ownership of them screwing up, mm-hmm. um, knowing that they might have crossed a line or whatever it was. Uh, Sammy's obviously a little bit more involved, you know, kind of trying to like draw this line between Sammy the person and Sammy the character and saying there's a list of things that you're not allowed to say in promos and everybody kind of has their like go-tos that you're not supposed to, whether it be like a blanket statement or very specific things. I don't think people bring up Pam's name or allowed to bring up Pam's name in promos for Sammy. And rightfully so, you know, um, that would be crossing a line, uh, I think, uh, publicly. But uh, this, I think, just kind of, you know, there's a lot of rumor and there's a lot of discussion in regards to unrest, people sniping at each other. I don't know if you saw Bobby Fish today uh, for like the last 24 hours, like talking shit on CM Punk. No, online. I didn't see that. Uh, I, surprisingly, I don't follow Bobby Fish on any social. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was just because, like, you know, people were watching the kick that Punk did, like it was the Zabruder film, yeah. to see how he did whatever it was that he did. And then Bobby was just replying to people with pictures of him doing the same kick uh, on on TV, and essentially saying like, "I guess you only hurt yourself when you fall down when you do this kick." <laughs> and you know, so listen. I, not everyone in a company is going to be friends with everyone. Uh, they're not a regular touring company. They're typically only together once, maybe twice a week if they do like a live rampage. Uh, they are coming up on being together for a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday shot for the pay-per-view next week. Um, I could feel and there was rumor of or just there wasn't rumor. There was a um, like a meeting with personnel yesterday. Uh, kind of laying out where everyone is supposed to go and do what they're supposed to do. Um, you know, and I just, uh, I know Eddie, and uh, this does not seem out of character for him. Both him trying to kill Sammy for saying uh, what Sammy said in a promo, and then also Eddie immediately afterwards um, being like, yeah, I fucked up, I was wrong, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm sure we'll have we'll have a laugh about it on Saturday. <laughs> When people ask, why am I afraid of uh, Eddie Kingston? This is one of the reasons, you know, so I take back any criticism I might have made during those Chikara reviews. (laughs) I had someone message me um, and they said that uh, just just to put out a thought uh, Sammy called Eddie anything and somehow is still alive is a miracle. (laughs) And uh, yeah, that's 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 the truth. Yeah. Uh, I saw this brought up on uh, Twitter in multiple places, but do you feel the AEW locker room needs a, a locker room leader? And if so, who would it be? Yes, and me. <laughs> uh, I should be the leader so they have one specific person that they could all hate, as opposed <laughs> to spreading their hate around to all different people. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it be Phil. and that, So that's the other thing. So prior to the match, you know, uh, Punk gave this interview with like Sports Illustrated or Fightful or whoever the fuck it was. And he was attempting to address but didn't directly address some of the strife that there's been, uh, whether it be Cabana stuff or whether it be the stuff with the Hangman promo from a couple weeks ago. Um, But he said that he's like, I keep to myself, uh, you know, I have an open door uh, locker room. Anyone wants to come in and talk to me or have an issue with me, they can come to me. So September 28th, when I go to Philly. He said his adult <laughs> locker room door is open. I'm going to go. Me and Punk, we're going to hash it out. And then I'm going to get a Mark pick. And if you believe that, I'm also going to get a Mark picture with Nick and Matt. So, you know. 
you know, are you going to be a credentialed person at this age? No. You know enough people that you should get yourself a lanyard to get backstage. So I have no problem using whatever connections I have to get other people tickets. Uh-huh. I have a weird thing about using whatever influence or whoever I know to get myself tickets. Yeah. I bought a ticket, right? There's people that I know that are in the company or adjacent to the company that know I'm going. Nobody's like said like, hey, why'd you buy a ticket or anything else like that? You know, they want to fucking sell tickets. Um, but if I'm there and somebody comes up to me, it's like, hey, uh, we'll bump you up or mm-hmm. hey, whatever. I ain't going to say no, but I'm not looking for that. Yeah, I just want to see a non-photoshopped photo of you in front of the AEW step and repeat. Like, the, 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 they have everybody take the photos <laughs> in front of back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, like, you know, a former, uh, like, all the former beep people in front in one photo. You oh, know, you, can be... say, you can say, say Chikara. <laughs> Don't be a coward. Come on. I know. We talk about it almost every week. I'm just making a joke. Um, but, yeah, I think that would be funny. You know what? For all the AEW talent that's uh, listening to this podcast right now, Joe's too humble of a man to come out and look for it. I need you guys to just pull him out of the crowd. Uh, Leave DJ and Brett out there, though. Uh, (laughs) Pull him out of the crowd, bring him backstage, take some photos. That's what I want to see. We'll see. We'll see. I'm I'm happy just going there, enjoying the show, and getting a giant ice cream sandwich uh, down the road, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Definitely whoever's listening to this, though, don't tweet at, like, all the pertinent parties that Joe will be there to get their attention, you know? Please please don't. (laughs) Yeah, definitely don't. No, because I know, well, and again, I definitely tell you, don't be like, hey, at the Bryce is right. Joe Sposto's yeah. here and, and yeah. so on and so forth. Good luck with that one. <laughs> um, I was going to say, because I know the I, I know the one that you have to, but I ain't going to say it on air. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. I'm sure somebody can figure it out. There's only so many of them. <laughs> yeah, it's a small company. <laughs> All right, Joe, what else you got? I'm sure. You got All right. It. So if you don't got anything else, hopefully this will be quick. Uh, so today it was revealed um, that uh, Chase and Rance, uh, convicted registered sex offender, uh, is not only back in Florida, uh, back training at Team Vision Dojo, uh, but he also made himself the tag team champion of his own promotion with his new 16-year-old female trainee. Yeah. <laughs> now, again, a lot of people uh, decided, and rightfully so, to kind of take him to task for this. Uh, many people did block out the minor's name and face because mm-hmm. she's a child, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, people did reach out to Team Vision Dojo, which is Jason Rance, right? Mm-hmm. And they did issue this statement that I would like to read verbatim. <clears throat> Hello, Jason Rance was deemed guilty in the court of law in 2011 for actions that took place in 2008. During his time on probation, Chasen was in therapy, not allowed to interact with minors, and had to submit to drug testing. Chasen completed everything that was required by law, and then went back to training minors again, sharing full knowledge of his past with the parents. Now again, the emphasis on this next line is for me. Chase continues to be one of the best trainers in professional wrestling around, and there's no denying that. Are you sure? <laughs> um, with 
uh, while the actions of the past look very bad, yes, mm-hmm. the future looks bright for all those that Jason continues to help. Thank you for any concerns. Everyone at Team Vision Dojo is doing great and have <laughs> many big projects continuing and others in the works. If you'd like to contact Jason regarding anything else or other false accusations uh, that uh, that this website has promoted in the past that we have debunked, feel free to contact him at this, his email address, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm blocked by Jason Rance and I'm blocked by Team Vision Dojo. Um, there is a phone number that is on the official Team Vision Dojo uh, Twitter account. Okay. That claims is their phone number, but if you call them, they say it's a pool cleaning company, not Team Vision Dojo. <laughs> That's the opportunity. It's a they're night capping. Right. Moonlighting. Right. Moonlighting. <laughs> now magic. that being now that being said, um yes, uh he he was found guilty and he is still a registered sex offender. We haven't taken that away from him. We haven't taken away um his involvement. With the woman that he was co-training with, Teddy Hart, that went missing uh, right before the pandemic hit that no one seems to talk about anymore. Um, Do you want to get involved in wrestling that bad? And that you are willing to sign your teenage daughter to train with a registered sex offender? And again, I understand that it's Florida as well, which is like a completely different world. Yeah, there's no laws in Florida. And the other thing is that line in there that he's one of the most respected trainers in all of professional wrestling. And somebody else on Twitter requested this. Please send me the list of people that he's trained. Mm. I'd love to know a name that's recognizable, right? Yeah. One, so I can actually see if he actually trained anyone halfway decent. And two, so I can never support that person ever again. Yeah. And you can make sure that they're all right, you know? (laughs) Uh, at what point can we just say that if you're not 18, you shouldn't be training to be a wrestler? Like, well, if you have the parents consent, it's okay. Right. It's just, I get it. If you're, uh, if you're running a wrestling school, you like money and you might not want to turn people away and you can say, Oh, I got their parents permission and yada, yada, but it's just too much hassle. And I think the people that, the better people, the ones that you wouldn't have to worry about with your kid are probably the ones that are like, okay, no, we're not doing this. Come back in a year or two when you're 18, you know? Right. Uh, ugh. All right. So, and, and, <laughs> and again, just to kind of put things in, okay, and this is a, a story that maybe you know, maybe you don't, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Adam Cole, uh, hey, when, he, when he first came to train, he went to Chikara's Wrestle Factory. I didn't but know he that. was only 16. And in a in a like in a rare moment of like this could be trouble, Quack said no. Come back when you're 18. Mm-hmm. Adam Cole really wanted to be a wrestler, so the next school that he could go to in the Philadelphia area took him with open arms, and that was the CZW school. Mm-hmm. Now, in reality, Adam Cole was trained by DJ Hyde to be a professional wrestler. But when you ask Adam Cole, or Adam Cole does an interview, or you look at Adam Cole's Wikipedia page, it says that Adam Cole was trained by Steve Carino and Delirious. Mm -hmm. I wonder why he's embarrassed and ashamed to say that he was trained by DJ Hyde. Yeah. Now, a little bit of a whitewashing of your history, you know? Yep. 
absolutely. And justifiably, too, you know? But, all right. Joe, like, I'll just end things on a lighter note. I don't have extensive notes for this, but I'll say that the uh, United Empire versus Death Triangle match on Dynamite was fucking bananas. I loved it. Yeah, hey, uh, I thought the match was really good. I will never be a Will Ospreay fan. See, I... I, I feel like Will Ospreay has grown on me with what I've seen in AEW between like the pay-per-view and the tag matches. Uh, uh, I didn't like Will Ospreay in all the many, many, many hours of New Japan that I've watched, you know, but uh, many hours. I feel like they're, as we, I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, they're accentuating the positives with Will Ospreay, you know, and it's it's paying off. He has an over-the-top method of selling that is not my cup of tea. Understandable. And then I made the mistake to watch the post, uh, like once the like once it went off the air promo that he cut, uh, back and forth with Kenny Omega, and uh, yeah, he's not good at promos neither. <laughs> well, I, I like the match. I didn't say nothing about no promo. Right, match is really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but um. Yeah, he's uh, he like I, I, he's just a guy. I look at him like I could never like that guy. There's just a vibe that he gives off. His promo, uh, his selling, his everything else is just like he's just not for me. But it's not like uh, and like that's even taking out of the equation the fact that based on his social media, he's apparently like the world's biggest shithead. <laughs> like even if I take that off the table mm-hmm. and I don't use that to judge him, just. He's not my guy, and I don't think he'll ever he'll ever be. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's do phone calls. How about that? Oh, look at phone calls just moving all over the show. Maybe if you're like one of those people who doesn't listen to the whole show, just checks in on the on the uh, the voicemails. Uh, maybe you're like one of the strongest men in all the land, and this is your favorite part of the show. You might have a hard time finding it. That's right. I don't put time codes in here, so you can exactly. go screw yourself. <laughs> it's always it's like a scavenger hunt. Right. All right. First call. Speaking of the strongest man in the land, sepia button. <laughs> Hi, it's me, the strongest man in all the land, Arthur MacArthur. I'm sure we've talked plenty about Jaylet on this show, so I won't go into that. But thank you for everyone involved and everyone supporting it. Got a big show coming up this Saturday, Wrestle Razor. Get there, watch it, all that jazz. I know you have your own show to deal with Saturday, but I'm not going to stop promoting my own. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I wanted to address last week's uh, voicemail box. Um, I see someone named Big Sue is after my sepia button. <laughs> That's right, Big Sue. You're after it. You know, you and I are facing off against each other at Old, at old Wrestling this Sunday, which you should all go to as well. Me and Clean versus you and the Symbol Monkey. Well, let me explain something to you, Big Sue. I earned the sepia button. <laughs> I am the sepia button. You know what I've had to do? All the milestones, all the challenges I had to get through to earn this sepia button? A lot. You don't just get to challenge and take things away. What, do I, do I mess with the president? Like, hey, I'm coming to your house. No, I'd probably get arrested. Do I just message Bill Russell, rest in peace? Hey, I'm coming for all of your titles you won back in the NBA. No, <laughs> you have to earn these things. What have you done to deserve my sepia button? I don't fucking think so, Big Sue. Sorry for my language, but you just got me so fired up. So this Sunday, 
I'm going to body slam you. I'm going to have Mr. Symbol Monkey. I'm going to break his tail over your spine and choke you with his tail as well. I, I ain't putting up with this no more, Big Sue. You're out of your league asking for my media button. But anyways, guys, that's all I have for this week. Uh, you guys uh, have a great one. Uh, I will just say thank you for the call. A lot of really energy that I have not seen from Artie in a while. Like, he's fired up there. But uh, I will just say I, I respect Artie's claims to him earning the sepia button. But as someone who basically just stole by claiming the WEW hardcore title from Ed Cody, uh, I do respect Big Sue's claims that he could just make this a title match for the sepia button. So uh, while I will root for Artie in that match, I, I do have to acknowledge that it is officially for the sepia button. Now, I will say this, you know, uh, in the interest of fairness, right, I've I've known Sue longer than I've known Artie. I've known Sue uh, for the better part of the last 11 plus years. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone I consider a friend, uh, someone I'm glad is doing well and is still dipping his toe back in the world of wrestling. And I will also say that Artie actually has done a lot to earn the sepia button. Uh he got banned from the Pod Van Dam voicemail. <laughs> uh, he calls into this dopey show every week. Yep. And he bears a passing resemblance to a co-host of this show. <laughs> so he's done quite a bit. Um, he's been working hard to like look less like you. Yeah. Growing his yeah. hair out and so forth. Uh, but, you know, I, I'd say Artie's uh, earned the sepia button. And uh, if Sue wins the match, I, I, I would relinquish it to, to Artie. Or to yeah. Sue, rather. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, really, at this point, it's in Artie's hands, you know, like right. it's it's on him to retain that. And uh, as far as him not looking like me, he if you jail it, he was all nice and high and tight with the clean shaven. So it's back yeah. to normal. All right. <laughs> all right. Next call. Hello, Joe and Adam. It's Kevin. Uh, so I like the, the mid idea of the Triple H and Cindy gauntlet of, you know, of the returning talent. But if he's going to be collecting like this the, the gauntlet only has so much room i think the better example is he's becoming a pokemon trainer a pokemon master maybe if you will collecting all this. so then they got my brain going um who would be a great pokemon trainer in wrestling and not necessarily a booker but someone that you know uh sees potential captures it uh, trains them in battles to make them better. And uh, I'm curious for your two answers, obviously, which is why I'm calling. But after giving it some thought, you know, I'm going to go with William Regal. Uh, not only Blackpool Combat Club right now, of course, but all of the work in, in NXT and just throughout his career for training and molding talent and, and being available to help people get better. Uh, so that's, that's my thought. Um, Joe, I am aware of your Pokemon knowledge here. Uh, Adam, I'm hoping you can keep up with it. Uh, if not, there's a game that I know you can download, and uh, you can be friends with me on it. We trade stuff all the time. Uh, it's not really worth anything financially, but you might enjoy it. So, All right, that's all, guys. Bye. Uh, I will just say I don't acknowledge Pokemon, uh, all right. so so I uh, I rescind the rest of my time to you. <laughs> uh, I think uh, Kevin makes a good um, idea there with William Regal, but for a very long time, William Regal's uh, eye for talent was essentially watching PWG and yet saying, yes, that'll do, all of them. 
or watching <laughs> Ring of Honor and said, yep, yep, everyone, come along, come along, all of you. Yes, every single one of you. Um, so there's no one person that has a definitive eye for talent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's been some big misses and big, you know, blockbusters or talent that like somebody didn't see. Um, and obviously, you know, and you could say we're an AEW stand podcast or whatever. I wouldn't say that he's got a great eye for talent, but I definitely think, and you know, this is the other thing is Tony Khan just like signs all these people, right? Mm-hmm. But I think Tony Khan has a good idea of people that work together well. Um, like uh, Anthony Bowens and uh, what's his face? The other guy from the acclaimed Matt <laughs> Max Caster. Caster. Right. Yeah. Like they weren't like they didn't come together as a package, but he just saw them together and he said, ah, there's something about you two guys. I can put you together. And they're like a super hot act, you know, mm-hmm. putting the people in the Blackpool Combat Club together, putting the people in the Jericho Appreciation Society together. The factory and the trust bust. Okay, so okay, so you say the factory, but the, the factory for what it is. Yeah. Um, I'm just teasing, yeah. Yeah, but like it's, you know, it's QT Marshall and it's all the guys that trained under Cody, right? Mm-hmm. And then the trust busters, and again, you laugh, but Tony kind of like, People were giving him shit about the Trustbusters online, so he kind of felt like he had to defend himself about the Trustbusters online. Uh, I don't know if you saw any of this. I, I know that uh, that a certain controversial wrestler, uh, you know, accidentally hit uh, Sonny Kiss's car, but VSK didn't have insurance, so the judge sentenced him to be his butler. <laughs> <laughs> I... I- I don't think that's exactly what happened. I don't think that episode of uh, Dark has aired yet. Okay. <laughs> so the Trustbusters is the microcosm of AEW itself. Arya Davari is Tony Khan. Slim J represents the message board, old school, <laughs> hidden talent type person. Okay. Okay. Uh, Parker Bo- and again, I say Parker Bordreau. Harlan, that's his name forever, uh, is the guy that he took from WWE. Sonny Kiss represents uh, the person who's currently on the roster who's being underutilized and is getting like a fresh coat of paint. Mm-hmm. And then because the, you know, the trust butler, VSK, <laughs> hasn't debuted on TV yet. I don't know what the TV whatever is. I know Marky kind of teased a little bit that it was a Tony... Shivani idea, but Trustbusters is supposed to be the microcosm of like AEW as a whole, and like, <laughs> that's right from Tony Khan himself. Okay, so we need another member that is just like one of the uh, like the Kenny Omega hanger-ons, you know, or one EVP friends. Well, that might be um, that might be uh, VSK. We don't know. Hmm. All right. Again, I know that, like, the Trustbusters are a very polarizing group for some reason. <laughs> and I'm like, they're, like, the least offensive group of people. Like, whatever your opinion of Harlan is is whatever your opinion of Harlan is. Uh, did you watch Rampage from this past week with them versus Best Friends? I perused it. I don't think okay. I, I mean, I had it on. I didn't pay much attention to it. And, you know, again, it's it's a Best Friends match, but it was really fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, I watched the... Uh, the Mark Henry promo where OC continues to steal the lines, but uh, yeah, I don't know why Mark Henry's stealing OC's lines like that. <laughs> I know it's a uh, gimmick infringement, but that's right. Taz right. stole the color orange from OC. 
<laughs> Mark Henry stealing his catchphrases, all these guys, you know? Yeah. All right. Last call, pink button time, everyone. Oh, so um, I again, it's uh, to answer Kevin's question, I'll say if you could like get Regal to like actually just not take everyone from a promotion, lock, stock, and barrel, <laughs> and if you can get Tony Khan not to do that, I think like the two of them together in the same room could probably put together a really good roster. Just got to cut like twenty people from AEW. Yeah, I think in addition to becoming the AEW locker room leader, you could also do this role. Hmm. They'll just, uh, when they take you backstage at the Philly show, they can discuss it. <laughs> well, Ray, so my idea is Raven comes in and wins all your belts. And uh, he defends them against Jeff Jarrett. Double J comes in. You do double, you do a stable of Double J, Eddie Kingston, Orange Cassidy, and the Boar. <laughs> and then they run the gamut against Raven for all the titles. It's just Raven is one person holding all the titles. <laughs> well, that, that's, oh, see, I was going to say Boar would be great in Raven's flock, you know, as Raven's heavy. But I, th- I don't think the Boar would want to wrestle Jeff Jarrett because his heart would break. That's true. That's yeah, true. Tough. All right. You'd have to lay down for Jeff Jarrett. That might be considered a bump. <laughs> see that happen. So, well, at least Jeff Jarrett's finisher is the you know the figure four. So it's not like an impact move where the boar would have to like leave his feet. Excuse me. Uh, Double J's finisher is the stroke, the front forward Russian leg sweep, and the boar <laughs> could absolutely take that on his knees. <laughs> yeah, I forgot the stroke. Uh, I, oh God, I'm dating myself with the figure four. Wasn't that his finisher in like the? Beginning of his WWE run? Yeah, like that okay. was uh, the country music superstar That's finisher. Yeah. It's still a secondary finisher, I guess, if you will. But uh, since like 1999, it's been the stroke. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, boring taking that bump from standing position. That's not happening. That's not going to work for me, brother. All right. Last call. Pink, Pink button, button time. Hey, Joe and Adam. It's Ed. <laughs> um, so... Um, the show this week, uh, Jonah brought up the, the frankly amazing idea of doing a wrestling show at Castle of Bam, um, Bam Margera's old house, featured in the hit television show Viva La Bam, and, uh, just such a fucking dope idea, and you know they can do wrestling at it, because they did wrestling in that one episode with Fast Daddy's Tree Top Casino, you guys know the one, um, <laughs> and, uh, I mean, now that Jonah said it. This could be the one thing that's talking to do in Podbean Damn Pro. We did a one-off out there. And, Joe, I just want to say thanks for uh, Jonah volunteering you to help us with it. All right. <laughs> um, but I was just wondering, what, like, what, like, doable place from, like, television would you guys want to run a wrestling show? Because, honestly, like, Castle of Bam is definitely that sweet spot for me. Like, I love Evil of Bam, man. That's my shit. I worked at uh, PacSun just so I could get discounts on BAM shirts. It's an awesome reason to have a job. Uh, discounts doesn't even matter. I just stole that shit anyway. Like it's been, it's been like twenty years. I think I can, I think I can say that now. I think I'm safe. So yeah, where would you guys want to uh, run a wrestling show from, like a, a famous television place? Mm. Vince Russo would want to run at the Monsters House. <laughs> Because he likes monsters and old things. Um, Sam Punkle drops. Okay, bye. <laughs> 
first of all, Ed, you're not allowed to complain at all about CM Punk, your supposed favorite wrestler, because you didn't bother to go to the uh, AEW show. So right. enough with the CM Punk stuff. That's right. Yeah. Um, and secondly, I can't believe Ed had a job when he was five. <laughs> he said it was 20 years ago, right? Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that, that's got to be some kind of law against that. Maybe Ohio is a little weird, though. Yeah, you know? but Ohio is the fucking TV. Florida of the North. Yeah, a place from TV to run a wrestling show, you know? Yeah, that's tough. So, uh, I don't know no Viva La Bam. I don't know no Bam Margera. I don't know the show that Ed's talking about. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's no one particular place that, um, you know, I would like to see it take place. But, you know, I get, like, these ideas. I think there was, like, some Japanese indie promotions that did... Uh, matches in a house where they like wrecked the house as they went through it. Um, I know they filmed that opening of Raw the one time on the top of Titan Towers, you know? Mm. Um, and they've done like stuff with like, oh, they set up in Times Square for WWE to hype up WrestleMania and they've done like all these other outdoor things. Um, but I don't watch a lot of TV that's like set in the real world that's like a bunch of like fantasy stuff, you know? Yeah. Like, so I guess maybe. You know what? If you want to have it at Vought Plaza on the boys, right? You can go there. That's a show I watch. Um, I watch the Marvel movies and shit like that. Um, but, you know, I'll say this. Uh, not a TV show, not a movie, but uh, let's get a United States promoter to run a uh, wrestling match. Uh, it don't have to be the whole, ma- the whole show, just a match uh, on a body of water, like that FMW show. <laughs> Where the guys had to go out for their entrances in a little boat. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought you're the you're like the figure wrestling federation. Is that what you're talking about? What do you no? What do you mean? Oh, the, the FWF had uh, the the match on the water. No, FMW was a Japanese indie promotion that like. Well, no, um, of course I know who that is, but I'm right. talking about about Broski's figure promotion where he had the match on the water and like Hulk Hogan came out in the speedboat. No, that was ripped <laughs> off from that. But then didn't he have it like it was Shane McMahon versus uh, Hulk Hogan in outer space? No, that was me. That was the other. Oh, that, that was Vansky. <laughs> that was that was the other maniac that uh, does a podcast <laughs> about dolls. <laughs> yeah, but no, I like the idea of on the water. I I also cannot think of anything from a TV show because like 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 your examples with the boys and Marvel and stuff like that. There's not a recognizable set, you know. Um, I will say it is just kind of lame, but it popped into my head. So like most things, uh, you know how there's a lot of times there are wrestling shows that are at casinos and, but they're at like the, the ballroom, the, the Coliseum that's attached to a casino. Uh, I want to see a wrestling ring right on the gambling floor surrounded by slots and tables and shit that people are actually playing like an active casino, you know? So like somebody gets their head like thrown into a slot machine or they, you know, onto a poker table and knocks over chips everywhere. I think that'd be a, a fun visual for a, a show, you know? There was, um, it was, uh, one of the lesser casinos in Vegas, 1995, a promotion called NWL ran and they did Cactus Jack versus, uh, Sabu there. And it did spill out to where the tables were. Okay. And I think Cactus gave, uh, Sabu like a pile driver on like the, like craps table. (laughs) Okay. 
Uh, I know this only because I think uh, Mick talked about it recently on one of the episodes of Foley's pod when he was talking about like his early matches against Sabu. And he did something that was like a huge no-no that if it wasn't part of the show, he probably would have been in a lot of trouble and we probably wouldn't hear from Mick Foley anymore before he got Sabu up on the table to give him the uh, pile driver. He swept everything off of the craps table, <laughs> which apparently as a like uh, like a civilian, you're not supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes you get caught up in the heat of the moment when you're wrestling oh. Sabu and you're like, I'm going to pile drive him on that table. <laughs> and, and like this table was active and it wasn't gimmicked like there's just spilled out there and people were legit playing yes oh all right interesting yeah but i think an entire show right on the floor you know yes that would be my thing but uh ed good luck with pvd pro uh it better be streamed on jerry's internet wrestling emporium and uh get your cat fixed Yes, get your cat fixed. Uh, let Jobber do it, and I have a bunch of <laughs> I have a bunch of phone numbers in my phone that I'll just give you guys to start cold calling people to book for them for the show. With the caveat that you can't tell them that I gave you their numbers. <laughs> yeah, and plus Joe's gonna have contacts at AEW in a couple of weeks when he's working oh, for him full time. So yeah, when I'm the locker room leader. <laughs> Jesus Christ! All right, let's get into homework, huh? All right. Homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. Home, home, homework. Homework. It's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. So I assigned. Uh, the JT Lightning Invitational Tournament from this past weekend from our good friends at AIW. Friday night, Saturday night, uh, from the Odeon, streaming live on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. In between those two events, Saturday afternoon, they did have Fresh Meat 2, uh, which was their student showcase. I did not watch that. I know Adam did not watch that either. Nope. If you want a full rundown of all the shows, including Fresh Meat 2, you can head over to our friend Kevin, who called earlier, uh, his blog, MassLibrary.com. He does a full rundown of all three shows. Yeah, going above and beyond, because I don't think anybody... I might have said, oh man, that's three wrestling shows, so I'm not going to have detailed notes, but I never did I think that we were assigning the Fresh Meat show. So he went above and beyond. Yes. Uh, so I have notes... Uh, we're not going to hit everything um, no. as much. Um, I, I'll. How about this? Since you don't have a ton of notes and I got at least a note on every match. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I will say before we go into it, I, I kind of like ducked in and out. Uh, I made it a point to watch uh, a couple matches from night one that I was interested in and a couple matches from night two. I didn't watch even, uh. half, even half the shows, so... Uh, and plus for night two, I was drinking and watching it on my phone at, at somebody's like a party. So Jesus Christ, <laughs> I was giving it all full attention. <laughs> you get an F plus. <laughs> I get an incomplete. Okay. All right. Uh, so, uh, opening match night one, uh, first Monday night is 12 single matches to set up the tournament, uh, in full for the next night. Okay. Uh, opening contest is Jocelyn Navarro versus uh, Marino Tanaglia, one half of PME. Uh, Marino wins. Match goes about seven minutes. You got any notes on this? Uh, no, fun opener. I would just say it could have gone either way. Uh, really fun opener. 
Um, I thought Marino looked great. Uh, new Bengals inspired gear. Uh, he's really toned himself up and he looks really good. Mm. Um, not to say that he looked like shit before, but he's like, he went from like an eight and a half to like a nine plus on his, uh, physique, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think based on this match and, uh, you know, match later on in this show and then a match on night two, I have a feeling that somewhere down the line, we're going to get Jocelyn and Isaiah Bronner versus PME, um, which I'm excited to see that. Yeah. And, and you compliment, uh, Marino looking good. I, I will take exception to Philly Collins for shutting, uh, for cutting his hair again, not a fan of that. Anytime you have hair. Glorious, glorious hair. You do not cut it. And God forbid you shave it. He didn't shave it, but even cutting it might be a bridge too far. Right. Well, well I was, I was going to say, we'll get there when we get there. But yeah, corporate Philly Marino there with the uh, <laughs> the short haircut. I have a feeling that, you know, and again, I don't know nothing, but if I was to guess, that might be for a new job or something, you know? Ah, uh, stupid shoot jobs. All right. So next up, we have the match, my dream match, the match that I requested to take place in AIW in the calendar year 2022, and it happened here. It was the uh, bulking season explodes as Chuck Stone took on Arthur MacArthur, who called earlier. And I don't think I've seen a lot of Artie singles matches. So to say I was shocked when I heard this. Come on, YouTube, load, you son of a bitch. I'm not going to let the whole thing play. <laughs> but when Artie came out to this, I popped you. I popped you. Right? So uh, Kevin mentions in his write-up that the name of this piece of music is called Night on Bald Mountain, which mm-hmm. is a classical piece of music. I know it because uh, it's, as a lot of classical music is, it's rights-free and you could use it really wherever you want. It was the theme in the first Toxic Avenger movie. <laughs> okay i didn't know that like i heard that when he came out to that i was like this is like a cool little fitting theme for an old-timey strongman but i had no idea of the context you know I yeah it's like oh shit Artie's a fan of uh Artie's a fan of toxic avenger and then i realized <laughs> that that's not what it was from yeah. <laughs> uh so this is another match seven minutes uh i thought it was really good um chuck wins going on which you know unfortunately i felt was going to happen um, both guys looked really, really good in the match. It was really weird to see them fighting. Now I don't want to see it happen ever again. <laughs> um, the only, so like they did a bit where like they were kind of doing each other's moves a little bit. It obviously is a size disparity, but mm. when Artie went to do Chuck's like sit down splash gimmick in the corner, because Artie's not as big as Chuck, it didn't look as impactful. Oh, boo. Everything already does is impactful. (laughs) That's my only uh, complaint about the match. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, this was one of the matches that was appointment viewing for me. I made sure to watch this. And as you said, they did play off of the fact that they knew each other's offense very well. Um, I I enjoyed the match. Uh, I I wish Artie had won, but I can see how uh, they might have had different plans for Artie on night two, which I'm fine with. Um, and, And I did tweet out that I was supporting Artie because Artie follows me on Twitter, but now Chuck does. So it's like, it's a good thing that happened after the show. I would have been really torn. Uh, but I will say that the 
we might have planned the seeds for this match happening when I, I questioned whether or not, uh, like, who would win if they faced each other at the 200th episode in, in Ohio. Right. You know? So, but yeah, fun match. Uh, unfortunately, they both couldn't win. So Chuck Stone advances, and I'm fine with that. Uh, so next up, we have Derek Dillinger with Ziggy Heim taking on Mikey Montgomery with the Duke. Uh, so Mikey comes out. This match, Derek wins. This match goes about 10 minutes. Um, I couldn't quite make out what Mikey's shirt said at first. I thought it said HGH. And I was <laughs> hoping that Mikey was on the gas, but alas, he's not. Oh. <laughs> um, they do a lot of the work on this around the arm. I thought this was a really smartly worked match. But as is a complaint, a lot about my matches with Derek is Ziggy's there. She's interfering too liberally. And the Duke is right there. Like, literally, there was two times where the Duke was in with an arm's length of Ziggy either about to interfere or just getting done with inter- interfering. And the Duke, like, complained to the ref. The mm-hmm. Duke shouldn't be complaining to the ref. The Duke should be going after Ziggy, right? Well, at the same time, the Duke is a chicken shit heel, like an opportunist, and he's not going to attack Ziggy face-to-face. He might jump her from behind or have sure. somebody else do it, you know? Yes. But I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Uh, but I like this match. This match is good. Yeah, uh, you're going into you know who's going to win this. Most of the first round matches, you kind of know who's going to advance, you know, and this was one of them where it was very obvious. Well, I'll say this. Um, you know, I did put it out there that I would have given you all of the losers, right? Yeah. And I would have only gone 10 for 12 on the losers. Oh, some plans change, pal. Well, we'll get into one a little bit later on as to why plans change on one. And the other one technically could have been a coin flip, but we'll get into it. Uh, so next up, we have Casey Carrington IV uh, becoming an AEW TV regular. Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, accompanied by Brian Carson taking on Ernest the Cat Miller. Uh, this match goes three minutes. Ernest the Cat Miller takes zero bumps and wins. <laughs> Yeah, this is where I kind of zoned out of the show, but uh, go ahead. Uh, so um, next, oh, go ahead. Oh, before you, I, I didn't know if you were going to move on. I will just say, speaking of Casey Carrington, I do want to point out. So obviously, you've seen. I think it was uh, the Dark Knight, where all the hostages are kind of mixed in with like the terrorists, and they have, in order to fool the cops or fool Batman, they have some of the hostages wearing the masks that like the bad guys were wearing, but they're taped up. Like they have tape over their mouth. So they can't like yell, no, don't shoot. I'm, I'm a hostage, but their hands are also taped to the guns so that they can't reach up and peel the t- tape off of their mouth. Right. It's in order to cause confusion. But meanwhile, Casey Carrington is dressed as Kip Sabian at ringside. They do the reveal where they take the box off. Like pack takes the box off of Carrington's head and Oh no, it's not Kip Sabian. It's a dude that has his face taped to imply that like Carrington is there against his will. But but all at the same time, Casey's hands aren't taped. So like why wouldn't if you're just doing this against your will, why don't you just reach up, pull the tape off, take the mask off, all that stuff. So uh very confused by the storytelling. And hopefully uh in the weeks and months to come of Casey being on AEW, hopefully they'll explain this. Yes, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm sure. It just bugged me. I just want to just bring that up. Yeah, again, I'm not going to nitpick the main event Kip Sabian (laughs) angle. (laughs) All right, anyways, next match. All right, next up we have um, 
Philly Collins with his new haircut taking on Isaiah Bronner. Uh, Isaiah wins, match about eight and a half minutes long. Uh, it was cool to see Isaiah Broner show that he has, like, a ton of technical skill, uh, which obviously his character typically does not lend itself to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact that he got a chance to showcase it here was awesome. I think that really adds to the total package that he is. Yeah. Um, I watched this match as well. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, Isaiah looks like a million bucks, and I'm mad. I'm still mad at Philly Collins, so... Uh... Got to grow that hair back out. <laughs> so next up, we have Colin Delaney taking on uh, Dalton Castle. Yeah. Uh, this match is the longest match of the night. Uh, goes 14 plus minutes. And uh, I actively hated this match. Yeah, I did not uh, see this. I, oh, go ahead. You know, I was going to say, I like both these guys. Um, you know, I would consider at least one of them friends. Um, but I just felt that this being the match right before intermission mm-hmm. um, and being as long as it was and being as kind of like slow moving as it was. Um, yeah, I didn't like this match at all. Yeah, I didn't see it, but I did hear uh, that uh, Dalton Castle's boys looked a lot like Pod Van Dam's award winning uh, members only. That was on night two, not on night one. Yes. Oh, OK. Yeah. See, I didn't see any adult castle stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dalton Castle is another guy. I think he is and has been wrestling hurt for a little while. Um, you know, obviously he wrestles wearing a back brace thing. Um, yeah, that's all. Um, I just, yeah, less said. Let's move on. Yep. Uh, so next match up, we have uh, Jackson Stone taking on Kaplan. They mentioned on commentary that Kaplan was going into this match hurt. Um, this might have been the one of the two that I might have led you astray on. This match is about five and a half minutes. Uh, hard hitting from the onset. Kaplan goes for the split-legged moonsault. Um, Stone gets out of the way. Uh, hits a big kick on, or hits a lariat, I'm sorry, on Kaplan. And uh, Kaplan gets to, uh, or Jackson Stone moves on. Um, I forget who was on commentary for this one. But they kept saying that Jackson Stone and that flask thing that he has is lemonade. And I just <laughs> felt that was like a weird statement to be making. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't see that match. Okay. Uh, next up, we have uh, Alec Price versus Chase Oliver. Uh, this match goes just a hair under 13 minutes. Oh, and Riley Rose joins uh, Wadsworth on commentary for this in the next couple matches. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if Riley Rose has done commentary before, but I thought he did a great job uh, okay. on commentary. Someone who is kind of like hyper noticing and hyper focused on commentary. I thought he did a really good job. Um, I know Alec Price came into the tournament with a lot of fanfare, a lot of hype. He just won uh, the SCI, the Scenic City Invitational, a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, he didn't do nothing for me, dog. Okay. Yeah. I, again, I checked out for a lot of this until we get to one more match. <laughs> yep. Uh, so next up, uh, we have Adam Priest, uh, also debuting, also a Southern Underground Pro guy from the Alabama area, taking on Dom Garini. Uh, Dom wins, advancing onto the finals. Um, nothing is more disconcerting um, if you don't know Dom. To see happy, smiley face Dom with his hair all done up nice, uh, looking you dead right in the camera, and then just being happy. 
You know, <laughs> you're like, oh, this guy's going to kill me. It's like, oh, no, he's actually a nice guy. <laughs> um, so I like this match actually quite a bit. Um, it was a little slower, but I think it was in a good spot. I think this one worked a little bit more to Dom's strengths. And I think the main thing that's holding um, Adam Priest back is his tights. His tights suck. Uh, they just look like lame, basic tights. And like people will probably tell me, it's like, oh, man, it's a Southern thing. You don't understand. Yep, I don't understand. Get new tights. Get something a little flashier. Get something that kind of accentuates your body because he's really put together. He's got a great physique. I think he's got a good look. Uh, he just needs new tights. Yeah. Okay. This next match I did watch, Joe. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, so we have Cheech uh, taking on Wes Barkley. Um, this match goes about um, eight minutes or so. Malcolm Cambridge of Members Only is on commentary for this one. Um, what did you think of this one? I, I really liked the finish. Like, it was a good match, but I liked the uh, kind of like the ha-ha-ness and the one-upsmanship of the fact that, uh, you know, Cheech has got West down for a pin, and Cheech uses the ropes for leverage, and uh, the referee, uh, I forget exactly who was refereeing this match, but the referee sees Cheech's feet on the ropes and, like, obviously stops the count. So Cheech is admonishing the ref, being like, you need to be looking at the shoulders during the pin, not like where the legs are, you know. So a few seconds later, uh, Wes goes for the pin and also puts his legs up for leverage. And the referee took Cheech's advice and just laser focused on the shoulders and missed the uh, the heelish uh, advantage for the, the pin. So and afterwards, you know, Cheech is just kind of like, all right, you got me. You know, you got me. I respect that. So I like that finish, you know. Yeah, I, I like the finish, too, and uh, I will say this. I've known Cheech for a very long time, um, very underrated in so many different aspects of professional wrestling, and I would defer my AEW locker room leader status to him. <laughs> well, that's very kind of you, Joe, but uh, unfortunately, that's not up, not up for debate. The position is non-transferable. All right. All right I tried. Yeah. Uh, so Wes wins, as you mentioned, goes on to the finals. Uh, next up, we had Jack Evans taking on Drago. Um, this was a fun, flippy-do match, if this is more your style. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, having seen Jack Evans wrestle for the better part of the last 20 years, to see him still going at the pace that he does, looking in the incredible shape that he is, um, I thought this match was really good. I do like a good Lucha-style match on an American show. And again, this is like very much my jingoistic bias that I won't watch a full Lucha show, but I'll watch a Lucha match on an American wrestling show. I think during commentary, they mentioned that Drago himself has also been wrestling for some 20 plus years. And this is my plea to many of you professional wrestlers out there. Um, absolutely nothing wrong with wearing, a, like doing a mask gimmick and wearing a bodysuit as part of your gimmick, like a lot of the guys do in Mexico, so that like people can't tell how old you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you could be like a young vet for like 25 years. <laughs> and uh, Jack Evans wins here, and this would have been your uh, other, your one of your two matches that I would have been wrong on. Gotcha. Yeah, I like this match a lot. Like you mentioned, it's the the one flippy do like high spot match, you know, super fast paced match. And, you know, I might be uh, might be a sucker for that kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. it's not it's not an insult on anybody on the AIW roster. But like this is different than the styles of most of the other people who are either like very technical or, you know, just 
beating the shit out of each other, submission guys. You know, this was fun to watch a flippy match. Uh, so then we have our main event, uh, the other half of the Bitcoin boys, Eric Taylor, taking on Impact Wrestling star, former WWE guy, longtime TNA guy, Eric Young. Mm-hmm. Uh, this match goes about 11 minutes, give or take. Uh, Eric Taylor wins. It's called the bracket buster for the entirety of the weekend. Um, so I'm conflicted on this match because I liked this match, but not in the main event spot. Um, obviously it had to be the main event because I think there was a lot of people there that were to see Eric Taylor wrestle. Uh, so you want to keep those people in the building as long as you possibly can. To see the guy that they came to see, whether he's a babyface or a heel. I didn't like the finish that it came off of a low blow. And then afterwards, like Eric Young, like shook his hand and gave him respect. Um, Eric Young is a very versatile competitor when it comes to the character that he plays. Um, this character, the sanity character or the honor no more, whatever the group that he's in, in impact currently. Um, that's. Um. It's like violence or something. It's not on. He's not an honor no more. Yeah, but it's like, you know what I mean? There's a bunch of these stables and shit yeah. where it's like him and Joe Doring and someone else. Um, but I don't like that Eric Young. Um, maybe Night 2 is an Eric Young that I like. But I will see this. Um, you cannot argue with the, like, fucking Eric Young is like, everything he does in the ring is with purpose. He does not have a wasted motion, which is a lot of, like, commentary bullshit. Um, and the fact that he does the drop downs on a, on like a, on like an Irish whip, the way that you're supposed to, where like, he just doesn't fall down in the middle of the ring. He's like literally diving at the opponent's feet, which Mm -hmm. is what a drop down during a Irish whip is supposed to do. You're supposed to be trying to trip your opponent. Yeah. And nobody does it that way. So like when Eric Young was doing it that way in this match, I was going nuts. Yeah, uh, the stable is violent by design. I just there you go. Up. But uh, I honestly don't care much about Eric Young. It's cool what he did on night two that we'll get to. So uh, didn't really watch this match. Good for Eric Taylor for winning, you know. But uh, yeah, wasn't for me. All right, so night two. Um, again, we can kind of breeze through this maybe a little bit quicker. Yeah, um, maybe <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so then we have our the way that it works is this, so we have those twelve single matches. They all break down into three four way one fall contests, and the winners of each of those go on to the triple threat main event where there's you know elimination rules, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the opener is Eric Taylor versus Chuck Stone versus Jackson Stone, not related, and Isaiah <laughs> Bronner, right? Yeah. Uh, story of the match. Uh, is, you know, you got three of the bigger, beefier guys in AIW and Eric Taylor being a much smaller guy. Um, everybody gets, um, er- so everybody gets a really good chance to shine. I thought Chuck's was the best. Like I said, I'm a Chuck fan. I think Chuck has maybe one of the best hot tags in all of professional wrestling. And I thought the bit where he stacked up Jackson Stone and Isaiah in the corner and then like backpack piggybacked Eric on top of him and then did the big scent on it in the corner. I thought that was cool as shit. Um, they did a really good job of setting things up, of keeping the other two guys out of the ring so two guys could be in the ring to go through spots, right? Okay. It wasn't just a thing of like, oh, well, it's their turn. We're just going to stand outside the ring. They did 
in all three of the elimination matches that started the show, they did a really good job of having a reason as to why the guys were out of the ring instead of just like it wasn't their turn. Yeah. Okay. Um, match goes oh, just a hair under 10 minutes. Uh, there was a bit where they set up a door on the outside. So it's, you know, it's um, it's going to get used. Uh, Brauner's up on the top rope and Duke shoves him. Broner hits the door, but the door doesn't break. I don't think Doug, Duke gave him a good shove or Broner didn't get a good leap off it, whatever. Uh, no big deal, but that's how you got him out of it. And then Eric Taylor ends up stealing the pin, right? Mm. Okay. I'll tell you just right now, just so there's not dead air, I watched the three matches that I watched on night two was the uh, uh, the Casey Carrington, Brian Carson versus Artie and Eric Young, uh, Bishop versus Price, and then the main event. So anything else I don't have any kind of notes on. Say that again that you watched. Uh, the Carrington Carson versus Artie and Eric Young. Yeah. Josh Bishop, Alec Price, and the main event. All right. So let's just run through everything here, okay? Yep. So the next eliminator, we have Dalton Castle, Dom Guarini, Wes Barkley, and Ernest the Cat Miller. Uh, this match goes approximately five minutes. The cat takes one bump. And is the one who gets pinned by Dom Garini so Dom can move on to the next thing, right? Yeah. So over the course of two days, the cat <laughs> wrestled two matches, totaling less than nine minutes and took one bump. Take notes, boar. That's how a professional does it. <laughs> So, yeah, definitely. Plus, uh, just to get into it, I mean, I, I feel like this weekend I will be keeping count as the official bore bumperometer guy. Yes. And uh, I feel like I am the only person that's impartial enough to make those calls because sometimes the bore leaves his feet and he's like, that wasn't a bump. I'm like, oh, you're off your feet, you know? So, uh, we'll okay, how about this? Out. Yeah. Uh, it has to be a flat back bump. Mm. Like, so, okay, at, like, at one point in this match, Ernest Miller takes a kick, right? Yeah. He sells the kick by turning around. Yeah. Slowly holding onto the ropes, goes down to one knee, and, yeah, then, rolls, and then rolls out of the ring. Yeah, so that that's not, I wouldn't count that as a bump. Okay. That's just selling. Okay. Uh, but, like, there was, there was that thing that made the rounds as like a meme like a week or so ago where like the boar was kind of hanging on the outside of the ring upside down like on his shoulders and the boar's like that's not a bump i'm like oh that that's that's pretty damn close because i'm pretty sure you didn't skin the cat to get back in the ring you probably hit the ground eventually so i feel like that's a bump that's why somebody needs to be the impartial arbiter of what is All and right. what isn't a bump but uh we'll see what happens this saturday hopefully the count is zero and it'll be won't be up for discussion, but that's true. Just like right. uh, just just like Fonzie, I call it right down the middle, Daddy. So I'll say this: um, I have a I have a keen eye for these sort of things, mm -hmm. and it was interesting because you know, and again, if you know AIW, you know that Dom uh, Garini has a larger part in a lot of the backstage stuff that goes on with the shows. Um, so it was interesting to see Dom agenting the match while he was in it, and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> and so Wes loses, right? He's in the camel clutch from the cat, and Dom hits the cat. Cat takes one bump and gets pinned. Um, and then on commentary, Nathan Zagura really hammers home, like, Wes is going to turn heel, right? Mm -hmm. And it felt really weird and really awkward, because, like, yeah, the night before, it was just kind of him sticking it to Cheech, 
And, like, there was nothing in this match that led to this. So it was really weird, like, foreshadowing that Wes is going to turn heel. Okay. That's a little odd, right? Yeah. Uh, so next up we have uh, Derek Dillinger, Jack Evans, uh, Marino Tanaglia, and Chase Oliver. Uh, this is your more typical scrambly type of match. You got a lot of more your fast guys in there. And of course, Derek, we had our, op- our, our, our earlier match where it was three big guys and one little guy. This one, it's three little guys and one big guy and Derek. Um, this was your match where you get to see Derek get the uh, chance to sacrifice Ziggy to do a bunch of the moves. Like you don't pay that stuff off on night one. You're paying it off on night two where he's tossing her around, using her as a weapon. I forget what move she did, but it's named the Sass. Uh, it's the weapon of Sass destruction. <laughs> and I thought it was awesome and rolled my eyes at the same time. Uh, Derek advances. Okay. I know uh, you love a good bit. That's why you, right. you, you thought it was awesome. Uh, so next up, it's initially announced as Casey Carrington the fourth versus Artie in a singles match. Before the match can even begin, uh, Brian Carson attacks Artie. It's a two-on-one. Eric Young comes out and makes the save. Uh, Hala Hala makes it a tag team match. <laughs> uh, Eric Young... Uh, continues to put over that Casey Carrington the fourth is called Pussy Boy. And again, again, Casey, let's talk. There's a lot of ways we could turn that around on people. Uh, and then starts calling Brian Carson Walmart Bret Hart. <laughs> and I'm going to say that is one of the most inspired things I've ever heard in professional wrestling. <laughs> if you're listening, if you're in the sound of my voice and you're going to Wrestle Rager this weekend... You know, it has to be one of those dueling chants where, like, the one group of people chant Walmart and the next group chant Bret Hart. <laughs> Walmart, Bret, like back, like a call and repeat chant going forward at Carson. Uh, this was the Eric Young that I like. He had a smile on his face. He seemed to be having a good time. Him and Artie were doing a bunch of fun double double team things. And I can imagine that if you asked Artie, you know, specifically that this was probably, a, even though the match only went about seven minutes, that he probably learned a lot about wrestling just being in a match with someone like Eric Young. Yeah, I have a lot of the same notes that you do is like the Walmart Bret Hart thing was what I popped huge for that. And, uh, you know, congrats to Artie. Sound a good run, uh, you know, obviously winning the tag titles, but, you know, teaming up with uh, Bushwhacker Luke and now teaming up with Eric Young. He's he's checking a lot of people off of his his bucket list. So good for him. Yep. Uh, so <laughs> next up, we have the students six person match. Uh, Austin James, Vic Vice and Tyson Riggs taking on Sam Holloway. Hendrix Hossett, uh, Hawkins, not Brian's son, and uh, Shaw Mason. Uh, I thought for guys having literally their second match in one day, I thought they all looked pretty good. Um, nobody did anything out of their skill set. It looks like these guys maybe got like two or three spots together. And with the number of people in the match, they were able to get everything together. As I mentioned, the match only went eight minutes. Uh, the babyface side won. Um, and uh, Dustin Alberti did commentary. He's been an AIW trainee for a little while. And again, I don't know who to put the fault on this one. And this is just something that, you know, he needs to have beaten into him. Um, make sure that microphone is right up against your gut, like as close to your mouth as possible. I don't know if he's just a soft talker or the microphone wasn't close enough, but I barely heard any of his commentary on the feed. Hmm. And is one of those students the uh, the Dasher Hatfield with the serial numbers shaved off? That's Austin James, yes. Okay, 
I, I, I saw, I just saw like pictures of him online. I was like, Ooh, you're lucky. Yeah. The other guy's retired. <laughs> uh, 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 so next up, we got a six way scramble. Uh, Mikey Montgomery, Jocelyn Navarro, Drago, Riley Rose, Adam priest and Philly Collins. Uh, this match goes about eight minutes. Again, let's not overstay our welcome. Let's keep these matches short. Let's everybody get their shit in and get the fuck out of there. Mikey again, steals the victory. Both the Bitcoin boys getting big wins here tonight. Um, then there's a bit after the match where Adam Priest gets into it with a kid, uh, like a little kid at ringside who keeps flipping him off. That was a fun bit. It was some nice old school Southern heel stuff. And I would say that he would probably get brought back to AIW for that fan interaction than either one of the matches that he had this weekend. Just as long as he comes back with new tights, I think he'll do much better. <laughs> Uh, wardrobe consultant to the stars, Joe Sposto. Sometimes that's all it takes, man. You know what? Sometimes, you know, a locker room leader needs to step up and, like, talk to these guys <laughs> and be <laughs> like, hey, man, you really need to fix this attire. You know, these your gear is not working for us. You ever read the labels on these cans before you eat what's in them? Anyway. Uh, so next up we have for the absolute title, uh, Joshua Bishop taking on Alec Price, who earlier in the day at Fresh Meat 2 won a four-person match of some kind. Uh, to get this match against JB. Um, and I will say whatever issues that I may have had with Alec Price on his night one match were really amplified here. Um, and again, obviously not everyone could be the physical specimen that JB is. Yeah. But, and again, I'm sure Alec Price is a nice guy, but he looked like weird body standing next to JB. Um, <laughs> yeah. Match was fine. I thought he did a bunch of cool things, but Alec Price, based you know, based on his size, um, he was doing like power bombs and like picking fucking JB up in like a torture rack thing and like throwing him into the fucking post. And I'm like, JB's like as big as three of this guy. Like I'm not buying his power offense. Yeah. And like he yells a lot. He screams fuck at the crowd. Uh, the crowd was chanting quack at him for some reason. I hope that's not in a derogatory fashion. Um, but this match was fine. Um, I know a lot of people are very happy to see JB doing some holds in this match. Um, <laughs> I'm on the other side of things. JB should do no holds. Yeah. Uh, he should punch people. He should kick people and throw people. And that's it. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess I mentioned earlier, I was watching this at like a party and I, I, a couple of the people that were like every once in a while looking over my shoulder and seeing what I was watching, I was like, oh, you got to check this dude out, this Josh Bishop. He's a fucking star, you know, a star right now, but a star in the making as well. And it, this match didn't do any of that justice because he should not have been taking the offense. Like th this whole match should have been just completely reworked. If you're going to have a smaller guy, and I get it, it might not be part of his moveset, but he should be trying to chop down a bigger opponent. You shouldn't be having this monster being, as you said, being lifted up in power moves by a smaller guy. Like this match did nothing for Josh Bishop, you know? Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. Uh, so next up, main event, uh, triple threat, elimination style for the winner of the JT Lightning Invitational Tournament and to crown the new intense division champion. Uh, Eric Taylor, Dominic Greeny, Derek Dillinger, Full match goes about 23 minutes. Um, Eric gets eliminated about nine minutes in, which was perfect. Eric did look great in this match. Um, I know we've talked about a lot of shows 
and I've had like little nitpicks on Eric. I'm like, oh, his gear looks good. And like, uh, but like maybe this or maybe that or maybe this. This absolutely was a star-making performance weekend for him. Not to say that I didn't see that he had this in him before, but if anyone didn't, you saw it if you saw his three matches that he had this weekend. Yeah. I did not know that this was an elimination match yes. because I, I didn't have this either the sound wasn't up or it wasn't up loud enough. So I was kind of just watching the show. So uh, obviously I'm watching the beginning of the match. I'm seeing the three way. And I don't know if I looked down and you know, was talking to somebody. Uh, but then I just see Dom and Dillinger. And I'm like, okay, Eric's just outside selling or something like that. Because, you know, three ways, you know, every once in a while somebody ducks out so you can have two guys doing their thing. And Eric never came back. And I'm just kind of like, all right, where is he? When's he going to come back in? When's he going to come back in? And I was very confused. And I was like, did he get hurt? And I didn't realize it was an elimination match. But uh, this is one of those things where it's like, yes, like you said, Eric Taylor had a great weekend, but at no point did I think anybody other than Dillinger was going to or should have won the intense title. So it was predictable in that sense, but the predictability didn't make it bad. You know, because Dillinger's the guy we wanted to see win that belt. Yes. And when he did, we were like, okay, everything's right in the world, you know? It was uh, predictable but satisfying. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so then I just want to kind of close it out by saying Eric gets eliminated from match, and then Dom and Derek decide to try to kill each other uh, <laughs> yeah. for, for much of the match. When uh, Dom is seated on the outside with his head up against the post and Derek does the running knees against it, Oh, I Jesus must have watched that back four times because I thought Dom was dead. Yeah. Um. Then they do the gimmick. So and and again, if I have a nitpick, this is my only nitpick in the match. So uh, Dom gets the choke on Derek. Fight, fight, fight. Derek gets out of it. Dom gets it back on. Right. He pops back up. Gets it back on. He's got the hooks in, and Derek desperately rolls to the outside, and they both hit the floor. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, shit, they just, like, I like I, like I know in the parlance of professional wrestling when two guys are in a submission hold like that and they roll to the outside, it's a huge deal. Like, it's a big sacrifice. Both guys, it's, it's supposed to be like a double kill sort of thing, right? Yeah. Um, security and Pedro and other wrestlers were out there too quick. It felt as though it was like they roll out of the ring, they hit the ground, and then, like, literally I looked up and a second later – Pedro and PME were right there. And like, I would have just kind of let that breathe a little bit more. Like maybe let the ref get up to like four or five, you know, and they're not moving. They're not getting up. And then the ref goes and checks on them and they're not moving. And then the ref calls for someone to come over. And then that's when like, you know, like I think they could have milked it a little bit more. I felt as though they moved through that too quickly. Yeah. I mean, maybe, Maybe it should have been established that uh, because we need to crown a champion, uh, there are no countouts, you know, so maybe let that breathe for a little bit and you not, you're you not forcing the referee to count so that well, everything's not rushed. You know? Well, so the referee's instinct should be immediately to count, but the referee should, like gets to a point where like five or six and like neither guy has moved at all. So now the referee needs to make the decision. Do I count both these guys out and have the main event crowning a new champion be a non-finish or do I go check on the well-being of these two people that are not moving? Yeah. But and what I'm that's, is- right. And that's how you could break up the count and that's how he calls other people out and so on and so forth. I just think they could have milked it a little bit longer is all. Yeah. 
But again, if you take out the the necessity of the referee even making a count, then you could have had them lay sure. up there a little longer and maybe stall before you send people out of the locker room. Right. They could have said, like, at the top of the show, like, this match is no count outs, no disqualification, no whatever. Okay. Yeah, I, and I'm actually surprised this, this whole tournament was – I mean, yes, it was – uh, it was the Jay Lit Trophy, but at the same time, it was to crown the new intense champion, and we didn't really have any intense matches. Yeah, I would, and like I said, I think if you had all intense matches, then there are no intense matches. Sure, well, maybe uh, save the final. Yeah, you, you could have officially had the finals because it's for the title is going to be competed under intense rules, you know? Yeah. Um, but all in all, this is just my critical eye because, you know, I'm a little too close to the product and I can get away with saying these things, uh, without fear of retribution. Cause you know, but all in all, I thought it was a great show and, uh, to kind of echo Adam's statements, um, you know, it was really cool. Uh, they gave the big emotional moment at the end where everyone comes out, where Derek gets to win. He finally gets to win the big one after, you know, 15 months of being in tournaments and getting to the finals and losing or getting those title matches and losing. And now it's like, what next? You know, like now the new chapter can begin. And now Derek should just, he and Ziggy should just be a baby face act going forward because they're too cool and yeah, people don't boo them. Yeah, nobody wants to boo them. Like, right. uh, I've never got the feeling from any of the AEW, AIW shows, I'm sorry, that I've been to that, uh, or just watched, that they were in any way heels. Like, they did heel as shit, but they right. were never heels, you know? And uh, I'll say this, Adam, I think the fix might have been in. Because uh, during the course of the two days, and I didn't watch Fresh Meat, but I would guess, uh, Ziggy had a different outfit for every match. Uh, <laughs> it's like, almost like she knew she had a pack for four different matches. I don't know. I think something might have been uh, well, she was she, was she was She's prepared, that's all. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing I wrong with being prepared. It's positive mental outlook, you know? Yeah. Like at <laughs> WrestleMania four, when Macho Man and Elizabeth had four different robes and four different gowns and four different sets of gear and four different sets of boots. I'm like, huh, how you could he be new to bring four different <laughs> things? I'm nine, you know? I'm like, huh, <laughs> I'm putting it together in my head. <laughs> yeah. See, I would just be like, you got to always be ready. You know, you got to, if you, if there's the potential for four matches, you got to bring four outfits. I guess. You know, but anyways, Joe, I, I think it goes as no surprise what uh, your homework, my homework, everybody's homework is for this weekend and if you can't be there in person, you can watch live streaming on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. But that is the LVAC Steel Stack Smackdown. Yes, I don't have to dick around about it anymore. Nope. They officially announced it today uh, that this show will be one of the seven shows that are streaming this weekend. <laughs> um, not to say that this is the most important one, but it's the most important one that's streaming this weekend. Uh, yep. The most stacked uh, LVAC show in the history of the LVAC, uh, you've got the air show of Razor Hawk and Mach 10 taking on Havoc and Young Jay Lee. Uh, you've got Gabby Ortiz taking on the debuting Davian. Uh, you've got Puff taking on the debuting uh, Thunder Frog. You've got uh, Erica Lee and our good friend the Boar. Gummy Boar taking on Little Mean Kathleen and Rex Lawless. You have a six-person scramble match with Akuma, Common MK, Jet Jigori, Blackstrom, Pancakes, and Clara Sierras. And then uh, in the double main event, you have the Batiri and Hot Sauce Tracy Williams taking on Ultramantis Black, Frightmare, and Eddie Kingston. 
And then the other half of the big double main event, Big Dan Champion, Lucky 13, Logan LaRue, and Vita Von Starr taking on Cheeseburger, Abby Jane, Delirious, and Orange Cassidy. Uh, They've also announced that there is going to be, I'll call it, a sports entertainment segment uh, involving (laughs) the Kamish, Billy Avery, and Hydra. Um, You should be watching this live, of course, if you are going to be attending this in person. Um, You know, they are doing the meet and greet from 630 to 730. There's a separate ticket for the Eddie Kingston thing. But everybody else is going to be out during that 630 to 730 time frame uh, because the building, because of the streaming and everything else, it's going to be on like a tighter constraint thing. Um, They're also doing a can drive raffle uh, where you can win the really cool uh, LVAC prize pack. Um, of all sorts of assorted goodies. I know I'm not eligible, but I'm definitely bringing shit to donate regardless. Um, and uh, I I can announce it here officially. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm doing commentary for the show, but I'm not doing commentary alone for the show. Oh, you're not Joey Stylesing it? No, I'm not Joey Styles <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and I don't know if the LVAC, the commish, everyone involved had to mortgage their house one time, two times, three times, but they came up with the right number to get me to have the commentary partner of our friend, Kevin Ford. Yay. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) The person who you use to bury me every goddamn show that we watch. And like Kevin Ford, my favorite independent wrestling commentator. And I give him the big fucking hype up. And you're just like, whatever. (laughs) It's because as much time as I spend putting over Kevin Ford on the on air, Kevin Ford spends twice as much time burying me in every group chat we have. Privately, that's like (laughs) seven people. I know. I was just taking a moment to joke there. But uh, yeah, hey, there we go. I'm happy to see that. As you said, my favorite independent wrestling uh, commentator, Kevin Ford. Good to see him. I hope to see him in the lines for the meet and greet in the trenches, getting his Eddie doll signed along with me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he, he I, better he better not get a fucking special treatment where it's like, oh, Kevin, just give me your figure. We'll take care of it. Because uh, if that's the case, oh, God damn it. It's bad enough. All right. All heat, no heaters. It's bad enough. Kevin Ford gets every fucking figure that he orders, not canceled like mine, but he gets everything right away. And then he uses it to do stupid little dioramas of Bret Hart beating Shawn Michaels to rub it in my face. <sighs> It'll be good to see you, Kevin. All right, looking forward to it. <laughs> you know, the spot was offered to you first, and you're retired, and you don't do it anymore, right? <laughs> I know, but if okay. I could have been guaranteed somehow my Eddie figure sign without uh-huh. waiting, I would have thought about it. But no, I'm just kidding. Good for Kevin. Yes. Uh, good for Kevin. Good for you. Um, looking forward to to watching the show again so I can hear the commentary. I hope I'm put over many times by both of you. No excuse. You won't be. <laughs> God damn it. I really see this as an opportunity Whoop. Uh, for Kevin to, to win back my my grace, good graces. But uh, I look forward to hearing the show after watching it live. Yes. Uh, and hey, like I said, you know, Jer- we mentioned it before. Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, uh, IWTV. Uh, tons of streaming stuff this weekend. You know, we've talked about it here for months. The Steel Stack Smackdown, the biggest show in LVAC history. Eddie Kingston, Orange Cassidy, all of your LVAC favorites. 
If you are not a current subscriber to in, in, uh, independentwrestling.tv, use the promo code at odds. Uh, and if you're a new subscriber, you'll absolutely stick with it. And that's going to be your way to let Jerry know that we referred you to him. Uh, that's going to help us out. You could also help us out by getting a shirt from our T Public store hosted through the mothership at tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes, uh, where you can get designs inspired by this show on shirts and cell phone covers and notebooks and everything in between. And I think the 35% off sale is going on from now until Sunday. Oh, and a uh, shout out to Justin Summers for the not only purchasing that odd shirt, but tweeting it out. Yes, and he oh, claims he's going to wear it to uh, WrestleRager this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Get some of that cat hair off of it, though, first. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for uh, supporting the cause, Justin, of course, in every way that you do. Um, and another way that you can help us out is by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon affiliate link. It is in the show notes to every single one of these episodes, no matter where it is that you get your episodes from. Uh, does not cost you anything extra. Amazon calls it an advertising fee because if it was not for us, you would not know that Amazon exists. I call it the thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include the Wycoco monitor stand computer riser desk organizer stand desktop printer stand for laptop <laughs> computer storage shelf and screen holder 16.7 inches with two drawers in black. <laughs> nice. Uh, and I'm going to guess maybe the same person also purchased the Bakery Supply Interlocking Desk Drawer Organizers Separators for Kitchen, Bathroom, Makeup, Office Set of 10. Oh, all right. Uh, maybe getting their home office together. And then maybe the same person also purchased two-pack of magnetic phone holder for car joy room, because it's all in caps, <laughs> 2022 upgraded six stronger N52 magnets, extreme magnetism, car phone <laughs> mount for iPhone 13, 12, 11 Pro, X, XR, Samsung Galaxy, etc. I feel like anything that's Amazon that is cell phone related has the best review, like the best uh, description. You know, like it goes down that that specific uh, rabbit hole of just nonsense. I like that they have not only that it's upgraded six stronger magnets, but then right after it, it says extreme magnetism. <laughs> that was my gimmick name uh, back when I was on the Indies. Extreme oh, yeah? magnetism, Adam Van. Yeah, yeah, that's like <laughs> a good. That's a good. Like one of my favorite gimmicks in wrestling is the ugly heartthrob, like a, <laughs> like, like like a Joel Gertner, a dude love type character. You know, oh, yeah. where like they look like shit, but their gimmick is that they're a sex man. You know, and I think. If your name was Extreme Magnetism, uh, <laughs> um, that would be a good name. Like that would be a good gimmick for you. And I did Google Extreme Magnetism to see how good their uh, their their keyword thing works. And this thing doesn't come up. But the first thing that comes up is Are Electromagnetic Fields Making Me Ill? <laughs> and then a book called Riding the Wild Orb, um, an advanced text in physics. 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, ooh, which I will need for my new job as the locker room. <laughs> oh, okay. So let me put that in the cart. Ooh, um, so yes, thank you to anyone and everyone who made any and all of your purchases through our Amazon affiliate link. Um, whether you purchase something this week, this month, this year, every little bit helps. Yeah, that, that book is uh, free for uh, the audiobook. 
Oh, you, you gotta get an Audible trial, and I think I like I'm like seven emails deep on fake Audible uh, trials. <laughs> well, you know what? You don't need a fake Audible trial to to listen to Joe, and that's these podcasts. And these podcasts are Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Hit My Music, Porch Talk, Viewers Choice. WWE War, Wrestling Cheers, IWTV Guide, Pod Van Dam, Wings on Wings, Between the Sheets, and No Chance in Helmet. Thank but, you. Yes, I had to make sure to get that in. Uh, you know, that show, No Chance in Helmet, is taking the place in the plugs of a show I will never mention, which is the A Show. Good enough. Yeah. So is it time for uh, your favorite part of the show? It is. Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot. But I'm the $100 Vansky. And your figures will be bought. All right, Joe, uh, another, I want to say, modestly large week for weekly purchases. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to say I didn't really spend a lot of money. It's mo- Well, no, that's a lie. Never mind. I was going to say I, I bought lots of things, but I didn't spend a lot of money. But I just looking at my list and yeah, there, there's some expensive things in here. But uh, uh, I will just say. Uh, just to start things off, and I tweeted about this, and I think we talked privately about it, is that rather than just being like, well, I'm just going to go to every Walmart and every Target and see what they have, I've been using BrickSeek a lot lately, um, and I've had uh, like just some tabs open on my phone of some of the things that I've been looking for, and I believe last week right after we recorded, um, I looked at BrickSeek and the... McFarland Toys Gold Label DC Multiverse uh, Azrael figure that I was looking for. Brickseek said that uh, our Walmarts in Dixon City uh, just got like a bunch of them like after they closed. Uh, so I basically was like, well, I'm going to Walmart at 6 a.m. And uh, I was just so excited I couldn't sleep. So I just stayed up. <laughs> until six o'clock in the morning because it's really just two hours past my bedtime uh and i went to the local walmart at six o'clock and uh got to see a bunch of the hot wheels creeps that uh fig daddy cool talked about and uh went straight back to the toys saw all six of the azraels there three of them were destroyed which uh worked out nice that i was there early and I picked up the other three, two for myself and one for uh, Shane Hagedorn. So uh, it was good that Brixie came through on that. Right. Uh, it was fun watching you uh, share that with the rest of us in the group chat in regards to uh, your dream becoming a reality <laughs> of those coming in. Um, and yeah. I know that you used it through Brickseek, and I know that you picked up a couple. Um, but I'm shocked that you didn't get more to become like some sort of like bizarre, like multi-person collector, but I get you only need two, you know? Yeah. I, you know, it, the weird thing is the reason why I buy two and I, I don't, I know the joke is there why well, you need to buy two, you know, huh? one to shit on one to cover it with. But, uh, when the first couple Azrael figures popped up that weren't store exclusives, uh, I was able to get them at the importer exporter business for like half price. 
So I was always like, oh, I'll get two for the price of one. Then if I ever want to open one down the road, which I never will, uh, I'll have an extra so I can keep one loose and one mint on card. So I just kind of got in the habit with the McFarlane ones of buying two. Uh, and that's why I grabbed two. And I was like, I don't need more of them. I know I could have flipped them in the group and made some money, but uh, I'm more about less hassle at this point, you know? So I was just like, I'm happy I got what I needed. I didn't have to pay up, you know? Right. But I've also, like I said, I've been using BrickSeek, uh, and this kind of leads into my next thing. And uh, a couple days ago, it said that the Pittston Walmart, which for those of you that aren't local, is maybe like 20 minutes away from where I am. Uh, it said that they had limited quantities, which usually means one or two, of the Walmart exclusive Hangman Page AEW figure. Uh, and I said to myself, this is kind of late. It's like nine o'clock at night when I realized this. And I'm like, I'm not driving to Pittston uh, just for a chance of getting that hangman. Um, but like I refreshed it like a half hour later and it said that the Dixon City store just got limited quantities. I was like, OK, I'll do that. That's two minutes down the road. Um, so I drove to Dixon City. They I couldn't find them. Uh, either they were in the back or the system was wrong. Um and through my experience, I find that BrickSeek does update really quickly. Like uh, right after I bought those Azrael's, it went from saying that there was six plus to saying there was limited quantities. Uh, so anyways, said that they didn't have it. I'm sorry. I couldn't find the hangman. So I'm like, well, fuck it. I'm already out and I'm frustrated now. So I'm going to drive to Pittston. And I went to Pittston and they also, I couldn't find it there. Uh, so I just wanted to say that sometimes BrickSeek is right. Sometimes it's wrong. You know, or sometimes... It might be right. They could be sitting in the back. They could be an employee holding them. Uh, you never know. But uh, just because it says that they have it doesn't mean you're going to be able to walk in and get it. You know? Gotcha. I was going to say, um, you know, I, I remember when uh, Hawkins and Broski would talk about using BrickSeek uh, quite a bit. And they kind of went away from it. I'm like, okay, it may just not be reliable. You know? But yeah. it's good to hear that it's more reliable than not reliable. Yeah, and I will just say as the final uh, the final uh, mentioning of BrickSeek, not a sponsor on this podcast, I used it today, and it said that uh, the uh, Tunkhannock Walmart, which is about a half hour or so, 40 minutes away from here, uh, said that it had the CM Punk Walmart exclusive figure, uh, and I made the drive down, and lo and behold, just sitting on the shelf were two of them. And I picked them both up and uh, I gave them, I gave the second one to a member of the soon to be named network who might talk about that purchase during their weekly purchases segments. Oh, Todd, you gave it to Todd? That was very nice. Yeah, I know he's a big fan of Phil, you know? No, I gave it to an actual real toy enthusiast and not one that just does it as a bet. <laughs> you gave, you kept it for yourself then. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so what about you, Joe? Did you get anything? Uh yeah, I have some purchases. So, um, you know, there's all those different, um, like, T-shirt sites where it's, like, artists doing, like, takes on very close approximations of popular things, video games, pop culture things, et cetera, et cetera, right? Sure. Uh, so I stumbled upon one a little while back called Dracula Bite, and that's B-Y-T-E. Uh, so, cause, uh, image came out, my kid loved it. It was some Pokemon thing. So I'm like, all right, we'll get it. You know, cool. So I'm on their mailing list. They are having a sale, like all shirts are like 15 bucks. And I go, all right, well, let's get you a couple more shirts. Let's see what you like. Let's see what you want. And he only picked out one. And I'm like, 
well, let me look to see if there's something here for me, you know? Sure. And uh, there was, because they don't just do video games. They do other stuff as well. And they did this uh, funky, if I could pull it up here, I probably can't. Let me see if I can pull up my order. Hopefully get a larger picture of it to show you. No, I can't. But it's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre one. It's a black shirt with yellows and reds. It really pops. It's kind of like a stylized version of uh, Leatherface. And I'm like, oh, I'll treat myself to, uh, because I got the fat boy sizes instead of 15 bucks. It was 17 bucks. So Okay. Yeah, it's not bad for a t-shirt, you know? No, absolutely not. Okay, cool. A um, couple of, like, quick things, and then I have a little bit of a story at the end. But uh, I did purchase, I was... At, on the verge of having an entire weekly purchases segment where there were no wrestling figures, <gasps> which has been a common occurrence lately because I feel like I have a lot of non-wrestling stuff. Maybe my tastes, not necessarily my taste, but like what I'm obsessed with at the moment is becoming less wrestling figure related. Sure. Um, but as of this afternoon, Amazon had their stupid little WWE uh, Elite Squad stream which, where they revealed nothing new. Uh, but the the good side of this was that they had a lot of things that uh, we knew were coming and they finally put them up for sale. Uh, and specifically, I mean, and that I ordered the Amazon exclusive three pack of Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman. Uh, that was revealed at San Diego Comic-Con, so we knew it was coming, but it went up finally for pre-order today. And I also pre-ordered the, it's not an exclusive, it's just the standard Ultimate Edition Roman Reigns. Uh, but I had said that I am done paying the Suckers Premium on Ultimate Editions that are just like normal ones. Uh, and I was not going to pay like 40 plus dollars on ringside. And uh, I just got that for basically retail price. So uh, I pre-ordered a lot of Roman Reigns today. Not bad, not bad. Uh, I'm glad it's stuff that you definitely needed, you know? I definitely, you know, I need, I gotta have all the Ultimate Editions, uh, except for mm-hmm. when you don't. That's true. <laughs> and uh, I wasn't gonna pass over a, a, a Paul Heyman elite figure. He has very few and far between, you know? I think that, I, I could be wrong about this, but I do not think there's a Paul Heyman elite that isn't a Build-A-Finger, or Build-A-Figure. Uh, I think you'd be right. Yeah, so, gotta get that. But uh, what am I going to say here? So that's all I got wrestling related. Uh, all right. So you you have your story or do you have a bunch of other stuff? Because I do have one more purchase. Uh, I'll just give one real quick one and then I have a couple other stuff too. But uh, one of the things I did over the summer of Adam because nobody wants to do anything and you all suck and you all have stupid responsibilities where you can't drop everything to go have fun. So uh-huh. I've just been sitting around playing video games. And one of the things that I did is I replayed the entire Uncharted series, which is like five games. And just on a whim afterwards, I was like, I wonder if they ever made a fig of Nathan Drake, the main character from uh, Uncharted. And wouldn't you know it, NECA has an Ultimate Edition that came out like, five years ago i didn't know about so i bought that i think if you just said the name nathan drake i'm like oh yeah they have a figure of him for sure (laughs) yeah i know they had funko pops because i have those but i didn't really even think to look for a actual fig and uh so there was and i have it now right what else you got joe all right so uh last week uh i got my two double j uh major bendies 
uh, mint on card collector. Everything needs uh, a defender. <laughs> so I went snooping through the group to see uh, which ones people were recommending. And I'm looking at them. I'm going to the sites and everything else like that. And then I saw one that was recommended by Brian uh, of the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast itself. And I'm like, well, if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. Um, he shared a link to purchase them through Amazon. So that's what I did. They only offered them in like, you can only like buy five at a time, like five, 10, 15, 20, et cetera. Okay. So I bought five. And in the description, it said that some of them worked on black series figures, right? The okay. star Wars black series. And I've tried like three different cases and they just don't fit right for the black series figures. You know, they're either like, w there's like way too much space in them or the, like, the back clamshell part doesn't go over it right. So I'm like, all right, I'll take the risk. You know, I have three bendies that I got to throw in there. The two double J's and the bib Fortuna that all need fig defenders. I have two black series figures. Let's give it a try. And wouldn't you know, these ones worked. They're a little bit like, uh, they're not as thick of a plastic as I would have liked, mm -hmm. but they fit the black series. Perfect. They fit the bendies. Perfect. Um, because, um, the way that like, you know how the bend you have, you have a bunch of the, the, the major bendies, right? Yeah. I got a bunch. Yeah. You know how the, the clamshell is kind of like clasped onto the card. Yeah. Kind of like wraps around it on the yeah. edges. Mm -hmm. And because it's not as tight as a fit, it does make it a little tougher to put the things on, but you can get them on. You can get them on. You just gotta, you know, be a little bit more delicate when you're putting <laughs> it together, but you gotta give it, you gotta be delicate, but you gotta give it a little bit of force. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I'm a kind of I, I need to pick up some defenders like I don't want to get in the habit of like I don't want to become full Joe Sposto where everything needs to go in a defender because space is an issue. And when you are putting things in defenders, they take up more space. But like I feel like like my Dan House and Pandora's box exclusive that goes for a lot of money. Like I feel like that needs to go in a defender and like maybe some of the, the very limited like the, the major moments ones or something like that. I don't know. Like I need to sniff around defenders for bendies as well. You know? Yeah. So send me that link and I'll, I'll see what's what, or actually Absolutely. better yet. Send me a picture of your major bendy in one of these and let me see how they look, you know, not right now, but at some point. Okay. Yeah. That's what I'm more curious about price. And I want to see how they fit, you know, um, couple other things. And then I have a story, but I will say, I don't know if you've ever heard of this company. It's called Oyo, O-Y-O, but they make basically Lego style minifigs, you know, like they're, they're maybe like the Minimate line, you know, but, but they, these guys focus on was sports. Um, and if you've ever been to a, a baseball game or a football game or a minor league baseball game and went to the team store, uh, you'll always see a bunch of these figures and the, they're in a small box maybe about the size of a pack of cigarettes or a deck of cards or something like that. Uh, and what they'll do is like, if you go to a Yankee game and you go to, you know, obviously they'll have like New York Yankees players and you go to a rail riders game for minor league baseball, they'll have like rail riders players. So they're kind of specialized to stadiums. Like you're not going to go to Yankee stadium and get Phillies guys. If that makes sense. You yep. know, if you want Phillies guys, you got to go to wherever the Phillies play or something to that effect. So, one of the unique things about these Oyo minifigures is they they base their their print run based on like how big of a star the player is. 
So like if you want an Aaron Judge or you want uh you know uh, Mike Trout or something like that, they'll make thousands of them. But if you want like a lesser known player or just like a peg warmer, so to speak, they they might only make a hundred of them or like 200 of them or something like that. And you used to be able to go to Oyo's website and they had like a population report, like a listing of how many were made. Interesting. And, okay. And, and unfortunately for me, Oyo, I think went out of business during the pandemic. And Uh-oh. I went looking for that list and like the website doesn't exist anymore. But I do know that there are four total variations of Nick Swisher, which happens to be my guy. And because Nick Swisher is a little bit of a, a hammerhead, a jabron, uh, they only made like a hundred of hundred to two hundred of each of these figures. So uh, in the grand scheme of things, there's not a lot of them. I previously already had one of the New York Yankee ones. He only has one as a New York Yankee and three as a Cleveland Indian. Uh, you know, and it was the Indians at the time. Uh, I had already. And I got these like 10 years ago. I had the New York Yankee one. I had one of the Cleveland Indian ones. And the other two Indian ones were saved on my eBay watch list for six years, seven years. And they just never, ever pop up. Yeah. Uh, But one of them popped up that I needed recently. And it was like 20 bucks. Again, nobody wants these other than me. It's just that they very seldom hit the market. Uh, So I was able to check off one of the two remaining ones that I need. And maybe like four or five years from now, the fourth and final one will pop up. But uh, happy to finally check something off of my list, you know? Yeah, for sure. And uh, I was going to say, so, you know, obviously you said quantity is one thing. Um, but everybody, like everybody on the team, gets one. Uh, no, I mean uh, Nick Swisher was at one point an All Star, and he was one of the highest paid players on the the Cleveland Indians. So, like, I'd say that like every year they might give like five guys on the team, six guys on the team a fig. Okay, you know, but like if the Yankees were to do one right now, like Aaron Judge would get a ton, and maybe. You know, Giancarlo Stanton would get 80% of what Judge got, but then the numbers would start dipping, like, significantly, you know? Sure. You know, maybe the top guy would have 1,000 made, and the next guy would have 800, then 500, then 100, you know? And then the next year when they change the design, you know, the numbers get mixed up. So, as you pull apart a fig defender. Yes. <laughs> but, um, and just one other thing, quick Yankee-related thing, and I know, Joe, I am on a Funko Purge. Um, so I allegedly, don't, I don't talk about Funko acquisitions that often, but Funko.com had, uh, had a, a Derek Jeter exclusive Funko pop. And so of course I have to buy that. And there was a chase and they limited you to being able to buy two of the Jeter Funko because I, I was originally, I was like, I'm going to buy like fucking six of them, <laughs> you know, up my chances of getting the chase, but they limited it to, to two. Uh, I got my order in of two, and unfortunately, I got two commons, so I had to go onto eBay and buy the chase. Uh, and I will just say, I won't say how much money this cost me, uh, but if you just searched, uh, you know, Jeter Funko Pop Chase, you'll get a pretty good idea of the fucking price I had to pay. But I don't care; I needed it. Uh, I couldn't let it slip through my grasp. Uh, but yeah, so that's my my big Funko purchase for the week. I always think of uh, when Artie Lang would do his stand-up and he would talk about uh, Jeter. Man, he was a sports guy. And he always said there would be, like, some guy in the crowd yelling, Do it for Ronkonkoma, Jeter! 
And anytime <laughs> anybody talks about Derek Jeter, that's what I think of already saying that. Fair enough. Um, all right, my last thing, Joe, and then we're done, I swear. Um, I was actually going on a little bit of a road trip doll safari this past week. And it wasn't intentional or designed, but uh, my mother wanted to visit her cousin who lives in Lancaster. And she actually asked me, he's like, would, would I mind driving her down? Just because she doesn't like driving long distances. And I was like, as long as you're fine with me stopping on a couple doll safaris on the way back or on the way there, uh, then I'm, I'm down for it. So um, basically, I went and did the gimmick on Google Maps where I just said, search along the route. Show me like toy stores, vintage toy stores, that kind of stuff. Um and obviously I made some stops at like, you know, Walmart or Target, didn't really find much of anything. And uh, I did just get the picture of the defenders you sent me. So thank you. But there was actually two stores that I stopped at, toy stores. And one of them was called, wait for it, I'm looking here for the name of it. It was called Symbiot Collectibles, which was in Reading. Uh, nice little store. Uh, people there were nice, uh, but it was more of like, here's a bunch of stuff from the nineties. Like here's all your power of the force and like Marvel, like X-Men figures from the nineties and like some Star Trek figures from the nineties on cards. So nothing really for me, you know, I was in and out of there in like two minutes. Um, however, on my way back, I found a place called collectible kingdom. And I walked in and like the first room had a bunch of Funko Pops and like, you know, your Marvel Legends, a couple things like that. And I'm looking around and I see that there's another room in the back that I didn't quite get to yet, but I'm going to work my way there. Uh, but the guy who owned the place was like, hey, man, take a look around. If you have any questions, let me know. He's like, just to let you know, and just kind of a warning, we are predominantly just like a Transformers store. <laughs> and I'm like, <gasps> and uh uh, I'm like, oh, really? So I go to the back room, and the back room was probably the most stocked Transformers selection I've ever seen in a toy store. Uh, not much of vintage, but they did have some vintage stuff and uh, some knockoffs, which I'm now a big fan of, and some Japanese imports. But just like pretty much like every Transformers figure that's probably been on sale in the last 10 years, they had there wow. and like multiples. Uh, so it was just kind of like in, uh, what do they call it? Like, like where I was just had too many options and I was like choice paralysis, you know, I was like, I want that. I want that. I want that. And I've said many times before that, like, I struggle going to like toy shows or comic conventions where I'm like, I just want to find something that I want to buy. But here I was like, I want that. I want that. I want that. I want that. And then finally I had to narrow it down. So I, I did pick out, uh, a Rodimus prime figure that, uh, uh, Jason Kirk already buried me for on Instagram. He said that it's like not a good transformer and it doesn't like transform well and stuff. And I was like, well, luckily for me, it's never leaving the box. You <laughs> you know? um, but like I picked up a Rodimus prime figure that like I did a quick eBay search and like he was selling it for maybe $20 less than the eBay going rate. And, hey and when I went up to the counter, I asked for a little bit better deal. I was like, Hey, would you take X on? And he's like, yeah, no problem. Uh, so like, Willing to work with you. Uh, really good selection if you like Transformers. And that was actually in Kutztown. Uh, so, like, just outside of, like, Allentown area. So, um, again, not a sponsor, but I, I I do bury a lot of toy stores. But I wanted to be quick to, to point out, like, a really cool experience that I found. 
Yeah, and hey, wheeling and dealing in person is a lot different than wheeling and dealing over the internet, you know? So that yeah. takes uh, that takes uh, some chutzpah there, if you will. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, always, like if you have something, always go up there and ask for a little bit better deal. One of my moves, and it, I don't think it's going to work anymore, but I did this a lot at our local Dixon City store, is, you know, if let's, I'm just going to make up a number. Let's say a figure's 30 bucks, and you think, yeah, whatever, I'm going to try for 25 I usually go up to the guy and be like, yo, 25 bucks, PayPal, friends and family, you know, because up to recently you can circumvent, you know, fees. Cause if you pay by credit card, you know, the credit card company is going to take their taste. And yeah, obviously yeah. maybe you're, you may or may not report it to taxes. That's their business, you know, but nowadays with there being, you cannot send friends and family to a business account that might not work. Right. But I all, I always pull that move at like a toy store or a card shop. I always was like, Hey, I can pay you by a credit card and I could pay whatever the sticker price is, or I can offer your friends and family. Maybe we keep some interested parties out of this loop, you know, <laughs> uh, but obviously now with the recent change to PayPal, that's not going to work, but I always try to get a little bit better of a deal. And you know, if it works, it works. Absolutely. Uh, that's it, Joe. Just a couple purchases. Small. All right. Well, one, listen, I can only imagine what you're going to come away with this weekend at the LVAC show. Ah, maybe not a lot of purchases, a lot of memories, Joe. Ah, uh, that's more important than purchases. Exactly. You'll have those forever. You'll event, <laughs> you'll eventually end up flip. You can't flip a memory, you know. <laughs> yeah, not yet. There's not the yeah. technology doesn't exist. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, everyone, thank you very much uh, for listening, hanging in there with us. Uh, Adam lied and said it would be less than two and a half hours. Um, it's right around two and a half hours. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's what these shows just are now, which is cool. Hope you enjoy them. Thanks for hanging in there with us. Like I said, if I don't see you at uh Steel Town SmackDown this weekend, you better be watching live tweet and everything else Saturday night. Um, for Adam, this is Joe saying again, enjoy some wrestling, be safe out there. And uh, yeah, I screwed up the end of the show and I don't care. See you next week, everybody. <laughs>